Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Don't bother me now. I'm trying to watch the U.S. Open. <laughs> Hi, good morning. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great day. It's, well, get ready. It's National Dump the Pump Day. That's right. Today is the day that you're encouraged to ride or walk to work. Take the rail. It, oh, never mind. But anyway, uh, today is the day we're all encouraged to uh, save a little bit of gas and dump the pump. Wow, that's a weird title for not driving today, I guess. But I understand yeah, the dump connection. The pump. It rhymes. Anyway, it's a good day to dump the pump. What are you doing, honey? I just dumping the pump. <laughs> it could mean something else entirely. Sure. Uh, <laughs> use some spray afterwards, will you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh boy, we're just being silly. All right. Well, we start the show with horrible news yesterday. Uh, legend, and I mean legend with a capital L E G E N D. Uh, Jimmy Yagi has passed away at 88 yesterday. That was very, very sad news. Yeah, I was so bummed to see that. I used to live in Hilo for about 11 years or so before coming here, and I got to know him uh, in the 80s when this team, late 70s, early 80s, when this team was legendary. They had so many memorable games. Such a great coach, first of all, and also a great person. So friendly, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the media or anything like that. He just got to know me through players, I guess, and what a great, friendly person, and uh, yeah, really sad news and as Dave Reardon wrote in his great column uh, today that you know Jimmy Yagi kind of paved the way for the NAIA schools to have the success leading to D2 I mean they went to the NAIA national tournament two years in a row uh, lost in the second round, played against Jack Sigma. That was legendary. And uh, then you see HPU, BYU, Shamanad, obviously having a lot of success as well. But they kind of started things there. And I remember well, when not I moved HPU, to, not HPU, well, HPC, Hawaii Pacific, Pacific College. College in Kaneohe. Right. When I first got to Shout Hilo, out to you, Rex Santos. That's anyway, right. go ahead. When I first got to Hilo, my brother was still living there. We had, he had season tickets, and they used to sell out the Civic. I mean, yeah. like 2,000 seats yeah. every night. If it wasn't a sellout, it was 95% full. It, it was great. It was a great atmosphere, great battles with those Hawaii schools. And, yeah, he was just a great coach that set things up there. And, yeah, sad day yesterday hearing that news. It was the golden era of basketball in of local college basketball in hawaii and i i don't understand why i didn't see dave uh i didn't see dave's column today i want to read it but i i, I why did it die why did it die off well part of it. it i think people were it. in a frenzy to watch these it's like hey helo's coming over to play hpc 
Those matchups were incredible. You're you're right. I even flew over to Oahu a couple of times to watch just the games for the NA the the, uh, the District Two, I think they were called for the NAIA to get into the national tournament. Yeah. And I, I think the, first of all, they were all quality teams. I mean, Hilo has had tough times lately, but Hilo obviously dominant. Shamanad started becoming Shamanad, you know, the giant killer. Well, yeah, uh, that Richard Hainish and those guys. Right, right. And then you had HPC with Pete Smith, I believe, was the coach back then. Another oh, really? Smith. Not, not the Kalahe Olika's dad, another oh. guy. Uh, he did a great job getting these players that were Division One type players. Hawaii Loa came on the scene and was pretty good as Hawaii well. Hawaii Loa, that's right. Yeah, and they no, were just, Hawaii Loa was H. They merged. Hawaii they merged. Loa. Uh, yeah, I think Hawaii Loa was uh, my my friend Rex Santos. He was he was at Hawaii Loa. I know Rex Hawaii Loa. Yeah, yeah. He uh, and and uh, you know they were just all good. And the battles uh, with so much at stake. Also, every year back then, they would play like Georgetown or Arizona. Yeah. I remember Steve Kerr playing at the Hilo Civic against UH Hilo. UNLV is the most famous game, and that was before my time. One sixty four, one eleven, the highest scoring game in college basketball history until recently. And the basketball, I believe, is in the Hall of Fame as a result of. That that game that is also what put Hilo on the map yeah um those were those were those were good yeah i guess we're getting older you know because you just say hey, those were great times but they were they were rest in peace jimmy yagi prayers to his family then uh, and uh you know comfort for you in this uh this tough time but uh what uh what a what what a legend in Hawaii sports! I mean, if he isn't in the Hawaii Sports Hall of Fame, I'm sure he is already. He should but, be, yes. Yeah, he should be definitely. All right, um, U.S. Open starts today. Yeah, U.S. Open underway, and I think a lot of eyes are on Rory McIlroy and Brooks Koepka. I got to find the time and when they tee off. Uh, but the early action in L.A. and uh, we're really looking forward to a dramatic finish and hopefully a lot of good contenders for Sunday and hopefully it'll be a mix of live and PGA golfers not that I like the controversy but I just think that'll be make it more fun for the viewer to pay attention on uh, on Sunday final round but uh, this is the, the LA of the, the US Open has not been played in LA at this course ever I believe right oh I don't know that I, I um, thought I I'm not saying it's before. not I'm not saying it's not but I, I, I have no idea and I know, I, I know they've I had I, they've had PGA events at LA Country Club. I know that. Okay, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I know the weather. At least uh, the, today, about a eighteen percent chance of rain. But the next rest of the weekend, very little, if no chance of rain. So the weather should be great. And uh, I'm hoping. I mean, it's good to be having golf talk. We're just talking about golf on the course. The controversy two weeks ago was unbelievable. But no. I think what's good about the Canadian Open is that when it got down to Sunday, there was a lot of talk just about golf instead of the you know the debate and everything else going on with live and PGA. So hopefully yeah. this weekend it'll be more and, about and, golf. And if you actually watch the tournament, you know, you watch the golf, they're not, you know, the, the, the live thing isn't coming up. You might have some press conferences before where people are just looking for clickbait and things like that. But, you know, when, they, when, it's, when, when they're golfing, they're golfing. And, and you know, what I hope is I'm not really doing the – I already did the live versus PGA thing and the live one with Brooks Kepka winning the last major. I'm kind of – what I like to see is – you know, some names that, and first of all, I like to see Tony Finau doing well. I'm a big Tony Finau fan. And I'd like to see some guys where, because this is a major, it, I believe, who won last year? Matthew Fitzpatrick? Yeah, he, Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, won last year. And so it's, you know, that's a great story because that was his first major. Mm. I'd like, I'd like the story, I like the life changing aspect of, of a new guy winning a major. But at the same time, 
I want to see names at the end. I want to, you know, I'm rooting so bad right. for, even if Ricky Fowler, I mean, he's had a lot of top ten finishes this year. Ricky Fowler is back. I don't know that this course suits him or not, but I'd love to see towards the end some great storylines like Ricky Fowler's and in, in the, you know, two shots off on Sunday. Or, hey, you know what? The big boys, John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler uh, are, are going at it. Colin Morikawa's back is finally healthy for this. Maybe Colin's in the mix. But you have one or two guys that maybe you've never even heard of are going to, you know, are, are making a run for it. Because I just, I just want to see, just because guys, you know, they're, they're, they're stars. They're, they're the, the famous guys. Yeah. I don't necessarily care if Rory wins another, you know, decline or not. But, you know, I just like the life-changing aspect, again, of, of a guy who's never won a major before to go ahead and get her done. That would it, be awesome. That would be good. I guess for Xander Shoffley, uh, Colin Morikawa, I forget the third golfer, but it's kind of their home course, they were saying, at least close to where they grew up. Uh, so I guess I don't know if that makes a difference for this course at all. But I like what I saw what Brooks Kepka said yesterday when he was asked about the PGA debate again. He said, when I'm golfing, I'm paraphrasing, I, I don't even I block all that out. I don't even think yeah. about it. I don't care about it. It's nothing to me right now. That's why I've been so successful this year, because all I think about is the course I'm playing on and the round I'm playing. He said that's why I've been so successful at majors. Uh, majors, okay. And he has. Right. And, well, and that's what he said last year. I mean, you remember the famous quote. I'm just, I'm just focusing on the U.S. Open, just focusing on the US, U.S. Open. And then, like, didn't he? Was it Brooks? And then a couple days later, he's like, "Hey, I'm joining the Live Tour." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. How about this for this course? And I saw this last night. The par, uh, the 16th hole is 542 yards, and it's a par that's four. Not, oh, it's a par four. Yeah, they talk about this course Brutal. being quirky. Well, there's a lot of that's not quirky. You see that on the on the tour. There's a lot of like if you go to a, a golf course and uh, for the members of the club or you know for the public, it's a par five. When the PGA comes to town, they turn oh. it into a par four. And okay. uh, anyway, so those are two things. We got Jimmy Yagi, rest in peace. U.S. Open starting today. Uh, hey, I saw on the uh, KHON two news last night. The scoreboard is finally moving from Aloha Stadium to CC Ching Athletic Complex. How about that? That was cool. Now, the next video I want to see is it being transported through the H1 from uh, Halava to Manoa, but I don't know if we'll see it like that. But that's Oh, that would be some. cool. Kind yeah. of document the travel. Put it on yeah. social media. Yeah, maybe get a police But maybe escort. we missed it. Maybe they do it like at 2 in the morning when there's not enough. There's only people racing on the freeway at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, only people racing. That would make it a lot safer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, that was kind of cool to see, though. And I know so many people have been asking about, you know, the, the renovation of T.C. Chang. We've seen pictures and videos in recent week, the weeks or so ago about the seats getting, you know, higher and higher and the bleachers and all that. Now you get to see the scoreboard at least taken down. And I know that will make a lot of people happy. All the, all the projections as far as drawings or, you know, future. Drawings? What's a drawing? The, the, a drawing is what you draw. And, uh, when you eat pizza? Yeah. Anyway, it looked kind of cool, and I, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to everything, how it's going to look. The, re- the, the rendition? You saw a rendition of the stadium with the scoreboard is what you're saying? I saw everything. Some some of the rendition. Oh. Yeah, rendition is the right uh, word. Thank you. Uh, yeah, some well, of the not way- rendition. <laughs> How's your voice, by the way? Uh, but anyway, I, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I, I think forgot. Fans- How's it sound? I'm a little stuffed up, but I think I'm okay. I, I think I've uh, passed the whatever. 
Okay, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. We're, we're, we're used to you, so uh, anyway, anyway. But I, I think obviously everybody's looking forward to seeing how it's going to look next year, but I know the scoreboard was on a lot of people's mind as evidenced by called uh, text on the Zephyr Insurance text line or the fans' voice after game. Everybody was looking forward to that, and uh, we are getting that as well as more, more seats. Well, I don't know what else I have in mind. Maybe we can ask Craig Angelus next week at Growler about that. Yeah, uh, join us at Growler Hawaii uh, for a really big road show, 5 to 7 p.m. Uh, our athletic director will be joining us uh, at 5 o'clock when we start the show, and so join us down there. It'll be good fun. But, um, yeah, now Governor Green has made a, a billion dollars in uh, budget cuts. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did see that. I wonder if they take the scoreboard down, and then they're all, okay, budget cut, and then it just stays on the back of a truck forever. That wouldn't be the most shocking thing to happen, would it? What's surprising uh, thing? That's a lot of money to cut off a budget, I would assume. It just seems like a very high number. But hopefully it won't involve athletics this time around. Actually, not to get into politics, but it's 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 just it's a it's we got all these projects we want to do. He's like, hey, no more money. Caught him. That's what he said. Caught him. <laughs> now where's my where's my blazer? Did Someone you- give me my blazer. I look at Governor Josh Green without getting political, and I compare him with, like, Batman or Superman, because three times in the last month he's been traveling on the road, and there's been serious accidents, and he's on the scene to be an ER doctor. Are you and serious? Three it's times? happened three times. I think twice in the big one. Once was last week again, and it's in the right. news every time, but it's been three situations in the last four or five weeks where he has helped people who have been in wow. accidents. And it's like, you know, the I mean... Well, you wish no harm to anybody, obviously, and hopefully they're all okay. But the fact that he's there every time, it just reminded me of a superhero. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, you you can't picture it's like, hey, pull over. Here comes uh, Governor Ariyoshi. He's giving CPR. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that, that, that we never saw that happen. But, oh, man, right on. Okay, all right. Well, we can't. We can't talk about politics on this show, so let's move okay. on. Okay. Okay, moving scoreboard, Jimmy Yagi, U.S. Open. Um, uh, oh. The stadium deal got approved in Nevada uh, for the clearing the way for the A's to move to Las Vegas. And there's some people who don't think it's right. Uh, there's an article this morning at ESPN.com, uh, Bryce Harper and another um, Major League Baseball player that uh, grew up in Las Vegas says, eh, they, they, they say, you know, nothing against Vegas having a baseball team, but they should be having an ex- expansion team, not the Oakland A's because there's so much history in Oakland and I, I see what they're saying and you know the fans are so passionate people are saying but if you're so passionate why are you not getting 9,000 a game nobody seems to be at the stadium if you're so passionate about it I, I think you can't just show passion oh what they're going to take it away let's all show up they, they, they didn't draw well like a New York, L.A., Chicago, Houston, or, you know, some of those teams, even when they were pretty good. But I think it's more, in, not so much in protest, that the product they pr- produce on the field over the last five, ten years, for the most part, for the most part, has been subpar. And anytime they get a good player, they get rid of them. So if you're a fan, I, I mean, some fans will go the five, seven, eight thousand, and that's still sad that it's only that, but a lot of fans won't go because the product is inferior. Right, the stadium but, okay. is inferior. Right, so if you're if you're you have this thing against the owner, if you're like I'm a we're fans, but we're not showing up because the owner doesn't put any money into it. Uh, Tanner just texted us and said because they trade away all the good players because they can't afford them after a while. Did you just said that too? Sorry, the you know that every time someone gets good, well they get rid of them. You know, so we're not going to go to the games. Well, 
he's the owner of the team. And if he wants to move the team, then that's on him. It's not right. But at the same time, the, the, the way to, I guess, get your point across isn't to pout and not go to the game because he'll just pick up and leave and go somewhere else because they'd sure love to have him in Las Vegas, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's pouting as as much as, you know, you don't want, why spend your money on something like that? And, you know, Roxy Bernstein, who's been on our show over the years, he does Oakland A's games. I was trying oh, to get yeah. him on today. He's going to join us Monday. He's busy today, uh, and he was doing the Dodgers game last night. He's on a plane right now. So he's going to join us Monday to talk about that and more because oh, he cool. does a lot of Oakland A's games. But it is sad, and I like what Bryce Harper said because I've, you know, I've said it, you know, over the years as well. It's, it's hard to lose a team. It's one thing if you have an expansion team that's different. Seattle Seahawks, uh, Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Supersonic fans always wanted another NBA team. They get a hockey team first, but that was always, I mean, I remember just the, the things people were saying and everything written about how sad it was and depressing it was for a city that had a team that was in the finals in back-to-back years, late 90s, and 10 years later or whatever it was, they go to OKC. That's just one example. When teams right. move, it's awful. It's better to – I know the commissioners of every sport are, are a total agreement. If you're going to award a city a franchise, you'd rather have it be an expansion team than a team moving at all yeah, costs. I guess. But so, I mean, really, I mean, this guy – this guy isn't doesn't even have that much money. It seems the owner John Fisher. I mean, to me, it's like just nobody wants you. You're not you're not doing it right. It sounds that you know way. you have a certain responsibility as an owner of a professional sports franchise. I get it. It's your team, and that's what I was saying. It's your team. You can move it if you want. But at the same time, you owe a lot of what you own. You're it's a privilege to own a storied any kind of pro sports team because it's partial it, you own it sure but it really kind of belongs to the city or the fans doesn't it i mean those yes. are your, those are your customers i mean it makes sense to, for you to it's like uh you know i can see you have a way of running your business and, and that's fine but it seems like um if you're totally shutting the fans out that's not okay either right it isn't. It, it isn't. It, it, it's just not okay. I mean, you have to. You have to. You have to honor that this, this, te- this these teams really belong to the city. You get to make a profit off of them, sure. And one day you can sell them for a billion or two do- uh, uh, one or two billion dollars. That's what you get. But you know, the part about moving and that kind of stuff is just. It's, yeah. It is one thing I'll, I'll compare it with. The Pittsburgh Pirates have been accused and probably guilty of this part of baseball with a lack of a good team for a really long time. With, you know, I mean, the we are family of the 70s, but even more recently, Barry Bonds and uh, Bobby Bonilla in the early mid 90s before Bonds went to San Fran. But they draw really poorly. They had a new stadium late 90s, I think. And then they just lose, and then they got revenue sharing, which was a new deal to baseball how many years ago, and they didn't use that money that was given to them to buy new play, you know, buy free agents and upgrade their team. They looked at it this way. It's a business, and we're trying to help our P&Ls, profits and losses, and make money as opposed to spending all this money on players that can make us a better team. And they were criticized heavily for that, for not taking advantage of what baseball did to get more parity. And, you know, even today they're still not a very good team. And that's got to be really tough, too. But they look at it as strictly a business more right. than appeasing the fans. I think it's got to be a balance. 
And what you said is certainly true, but it's got to be a balance. And it's sad when you get to be an owner of a team and you can ne- you never really have faith that they're going to get better. And for the Oakland A's right now, under the certain the current circumstances, I don't know if they're going to get any better because of the owner more so. The stadium deal and the fans, it's a lose-lose-lose trickle-down effect where they're never going to get better players there. Okay, you know what? Uh, put Let's put a pin in this. we got to get a traffic update in here. And I want to bring up the – remind me, I want to bring up the – the subject of, and it goes along these lines, the Chicago Cubs. You'll see what I mean. Coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Well, you heard us mention uh, Craig Angelis, uh, new athletic director at the University of Hawaii. He's going to be uh, joining us uh, this Wednesday. Coach Bud's going to be there and more at Growler Hawaii. It's another really big road show Wednesday, 5 p.m. i uh, got happy hour specials and great uh, poo-poo, too. Wednesday, Growler Hawaii and Kapahulu. We'll see you there. Good morning, 625, on your way in with the animals. This is ESPN Honolulu, and uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, get to Growler, Hawaii, with our really big road show coming up. Uh, it's a week from yesterday, so just six days away. The Growler countdown continues. We were talking about, exp- um, I guess, kind of the way that some teams do business in Major League Baseball. And you brought, you know, the, the, the subject of the Oakland A's is front and center because of their impending move i guess uh to las vegas um and you brought up the model of the pittsburgh pirates and now the chicago cubs see this is what happens the chicago cubs what are they known as lovable losers for so long before um is it epstein what was the general manager that went there and theo epstein before theo epstein got there they were the lovable losers and it was The ownership decided, hey, you know what? Let's try winning now. Let's get Theo Epstein and he turned things around. But there was no reason to try and turn things around for years with the Chicago Cubs because they were bad, yet the parks were sold out. You couldn't get a seat. No matter how bad they were, the fans were loyal and kept showing up and selling out Wrigley Field. So why go out and spend a bunch of money? it's a business model this is great we're not spending a lot of money on talent we're not winning and but that doesn't matter because people still show up i mean they got to have their cake and eat it too i think there was a new ownership group that changed things around oh is that why okay i think it went from the wrigley's uh and i forget who bought it afterwards but i believe it changed ownership group around the time theo epstein might have gotten there and that's why they changed it was the Trident family. Trident. Okay, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm just joking. Wrigley, oh, Trident. Oh, I, <laughs> but I, th- okay. um, I, I think it was a Wrigley-owned company, uh, franchise, and I think even the newspaper might have had some ownership in there, too. The Chicago Tribune. I might not be right about that, but I think mm. it was a different uh, ownership group. And, yeah, you're right. I remember hearing that over the years, which sounded so sad. 
that you weren't trying to upgrade your team on the field. And they finally started renovating the stadium. They didn't even have lights for a long time. They oh, got, yeah, that's right. They got lights, I believe, in the mid-'90s maybe, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, you could watch on the rooftop across the street, and you can still do that, but it's a lot different now as far as they, they have renovated the state. They have a new scoreboard. They used to have, like, the Red Sox-type scoreboard where you, somebody puts the number of the runs in for each team. Remember those kind of scores? But Fenway still has that. You mean, you mean they wrote it in chalk? Not they wrote it in chalk, but they would put the, the, you know, whatever, the, the slot or slate, whatever. They'd have numbers, and somebody would right. actually put the numbers in the scoreboard. It was like that at Wrigley, That's too. cool. That's traditional. I, I know. I went to Wrigley once. I love it. It was one of the second-best baseball game, if not the best. That in Fenway, it's like walking into a movie. This was in 98, I remember. Uh, but, it was again, it was a fantastic atmosphere. They've got bars around the neighborhood where everybody goes and tailgates before the baseball game. Uh, it looks like a, it's very friendly around there. It's not like it's a lot of crime or violence, but baseball game. But the atmosphere there is great. But, yeah, right, why should they spend money when they were making money? You know, it wasn't so much as winning. It was, it was a business deal. It was making a profit. So why spend more in players to make the same profit? Right. Exactly. The uh, Yeah, that was – do they still they still do that right in Chicago? They have the buildings and you sit on the rooftop on a beach chair or whatever. Yeah, and, and those I, people they charge those people right. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't just charge, go up there. No, you have to pay. Yeah, you have to pay. And I, I believe it's kind of expensive. I think they've added to that over the years because they because when Wrigley got renovated, I think they might have added more seats in the stadium, so they had to renovate the rooftop. Oh, they raised the it up. They yeah, raised, they raised it, up it up so up. you couldn't see. Yeah. <laughs> I will get I, those guys. But still, it's a great, again, great atmosphere. And, again, the owners didn't really want to spend money back then. And how could you tell them they should have? I mean, it's a, but you brought up earlier about isn't your responsibility to the fans of the city. And it is. I think it's a balance. I mean, mm. if, you're, if, you're, if you're the New York Yankees and you just spend money or, let's say, the, the Dodgers over the last, you know, 10 years spending tons of money, you know, $200 million plus or 300 whatever their payroll is, and never winning a World Series – then, you know, you got to stop at some point because you're losing money. Yeah, it's great for the fans to have Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and all those players, but if you're not winning a World Series, then what's next? What's the next step? Some, some owners rather just make a profit than win, or they'd rather have both, but, it, but when, you, when do you stop spending money on players? What, what are the Angels going to do with Shohei? I mean, if right. he's going to command $600 million and you're never going to the playoffs, and you're still getting good crowds there, 30000 but if you're not right. going to the playoffs, are you going to sign him for $600 million? Why? Is that going to draw more people? No. Well, they seem to be doing okay this year. So I, it's kind of – it's it's you wish this was last year when he was still under – you know, still going to be under contract. But now you might have to make a decision sooner than you think. Uh, okay, so uh, coming up, Harrison Fagan – is from SB Nation. Uh, he's going to join us and talk about the Lakers. Yeah, we can talk about the Lakers and the NBA a little bit, about the Lakers summer plan. There's a lot of rumors about them maybe trading in the draft and uh, the future of LeBron and or Kyrie, things like that. We'll ask him a little bit about Damian Lillard as well, about his future. Okay, so um, that's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, I want to give you an update from the U.S. Open L.A. Country Club. There's an amateur in the lead. Now we're early. through. Uh, uh, he's through... Um, he's through 10, a guy from Mexico named Omar Morales, an amateur is tied at the top at three under, along with somebody named Jacob Solomon. Now, uh, Xander Shoffley is a stroke back. I mentioned Ricky Fowler. He's one back. Uh, it's early. It's early. But you'd rather see uh, a guy like uh, Ricky Fowler at uh, two under, uh, one back, than somebody like Colin Morikawa, 
who's just uh, you know started a little while ago. He's plus two already. You mentioned, oh, this is home course. His yeah. home course is not treating Colin Morikawa very well. But anyway, there's an update. Uh, we'll have uh, another update coming up soon here on ESPN Honolulu. Time now for our bulletin board, and we want to let you know that if you're noticing some changes, well, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about visiting a doctor together. An early diagnosis can give you and your family more time to plan together. To find out more, visit alz.org slash Hawaii. This message brought to you by the Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman here with Chris Hart, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. And even though the NBA season ended with the finals over a couple of days ago, offseason start, draft a week from today, free agency right around the corner. A lot of Lakers fans here, so we're going to talk some Lakers basketball as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. He's an SP Nation NBA manager and a Lakers SBN blogger. Harrison Fagan on the show. Harrison, great to have you on our show. And I'll start with, I think, a big question on everybody's mind. LeBron James and his future. A few weeks ago, the headlines were Kyrie Irving was going to try to get LeBron James to want to commit to Dallas. Is there anything to that rumor at all? Uh, I mean, first of all, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, to answer your question, I mean, I think that there's truth to the rumor that Kyrie wants that. You know, I, I don't think that that report came out of nowhere or that, like, that's not something that happened or that that's not something that Kyrie and his camp wanted out there. But I, I don't think that it's a real thing that is really on the table that is actually possible to happen. I, I mean, you know, within the same report, there was a report that the Mavs, you know, were thinking about trading for LeBron last year when the Lakers were struggling. LeBron wasn't trade eligible for all of last season. And so it's just like, it's clear that, you know, while these things are maybe things that the Mavs or Kyrie want, I don't know that a whole lot of thought or consideration was put into the logistics of actually making them happen. And I did see, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but the Dallas Mavericks supposedly said a few weeks ago as well that they would not oblige Kyrie with a sign-in trade to the Lakers, so that might eliminate that part. But I remember after Game 4, the loss to the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, LeBron was saying, i got to think about my future. Uh, what is there exactly mm-hmm. to think about? Is there a chance he could retire, or is there anything else on his mind? Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. He's made so much money that, you know, you're, you have to wonder, like, you know, hey, I mean, hey, I, I, like, he said that. He was clearly tired when he said it. But it, at the same time, it was clearly a message he wanted out there. He did, like, three interviews about it, you know, whatever. Um, but it, it did seem like he was genuinely just tired. He's made so much money. You know, who knows? He could decide to hang it up, you know, whenever. I, I just, I have not encountered anyone who... Uh, uh, either, you know, in conversations or in reading other writers who are, you know, really plugged in on this stuff. I haven't encountered anyone who thinks he's actually retiring and that that's actually something that is on the table. You know, I mean, I think part of it is probably, you know, the fatigue and whatever that I mentioned. But I also think that a chunk of it is holding the Lakers feet to the fire. Hey, like I could step away. You know, you guys need to go out and make sure that you're making moves to kind of put this team over the hump. And I think that that's sort of, you know, that's been his tradition sort of throughout his career, and I'm not surprised if that has continued. I guess it just kind of contradicts what he said over the last several years that he wants to play in the NBA with Bronny. And if he's going to retire, yeah. that would take that part away. That's why I didn't understand that comment. 
Yeah, it just, you know, he spent it really like the entire last two years talking about this and, you know, uh, the different machinations of making that happen. He signed the extension that he signed, you know, that has not kicked in yet. He has a $90 million extension that kicks in uh, this coming season over two years. And, you know, I just I don't see him having negotiated that last summer and then retiring before it even starts. It just doesn't seem realistic to me, nor do I see him leaving Los Angeles where his son just went to USC, you know, famously pretty close to Crypto.com Arena and where the and where the Lakers play. You know, I think I don't foresee LeBron leaving Los Angeles when he's had all this talk about wanting to play with his son, wanting to make that decision when time comes, and then also just how much he enjoys being at his kids' games. Like, I don't think that he's going to go, you know, to Dallas and miss all of Ronnie's home games. Like, that just doesn't seem realistic to me either. We're talking the L.A. Lakers and the NBA with Harrison Fagan from SP Nation joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. One more LeBron-type question. We'll move on to other aspects of the Lakers. I saw what Shaquille O'Neal said recently that he'd be fine if the Lakers uh, got a statue for LeBron outside the arena. I'm not sure if it's going to be called Crypto.com it much longer. But I was surprised, <laughs> I, to me, for what he's done for the Lakers. And I saw comments on Twitter where people were saying, no, he hasn't done enough with the Lakers. He's won a title, but doesn't compare to the other greats of having a statue. Where are you on that? Yeah, so, I mean, the thing that I, I think it's a great question, and it is something that generates a certain level of debate among Lakers fans, for sure, and I, I'm also with you on, I'm not sure how much longer, uh, you know, that arena is going to be named after that company. Um, and, but as far as the statues outside of it, you know, LeBron, in my mind, I, I think probably has done enough, and whether or not, regardless of how you feel about that, I would be you know, fairly shocked if the Lakers didn't feel like he has done enough. You know, I, I've said since you know, since basically he came to the Lakers, but especially since the 2020 title, you know, like LeBron's getting his jersey retired. That's not a question. Like there were fans who were like, no, he's got to win another one and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I mean, it's fine. I'm not going to begrudge anyone who feels that way, but that's not how the Lakers themselves feel. Jeannie Buss and, you know, the this ownership group in front office feel an incredible amount of gratitude towards LeBron. They know that this resurgence of them back to NBA relevancy does not happen without, you know, LeBron choosing to come there when they had not really proven anything at that point. And it was just a bunch of young guys. And, you know, sure, he wanted to live in L.A. for other business interests, but him choosing them sort of breathed new life back into the franchise and made them relevant again. You know, I, I think that he's going to get a statue, you know, almost regardless of how the rest of this goes. Okay. So the draft, is, as I said, Harrison, a week from today, and Lakers have number 17 right now. I've seen some talk even on your Twitter page that maybe they're going to trade down. What do you think they're looking at mm -hmm. with that pick as of right now? Yeah, so I don't I, I'm not a draft guy. Like I'm definitely not an expert. Like I'm I'm so invested in the NBA all year that I don't have time to like pretend to know all of these prospects and stuff. So I, I can't answer that super well. But you know, it just does seem, you know, I'm you said you saw my tweets, like there's been multiple reports over the last uh, couple of days from the people who are really plugged in on the draft and do this all year that, you know, word is getting out that the Lakers are talking about potentially trading down, which is interesting because, you know, on one hand it potentially gives their you know, they're kind of they're fairly vaunted and successful scouting department that hasn't really had a whole lot of misses on their resume when they have actually had picks and had guys to draft. It's generally been like long-term NBA players. And so, you know, that's good on one hand that you would want to give those guys kind of more bites of the apple and more swings. And you potentially with this new CBA coming in, that's more punitive to high paying teams. You get multiple guys that can contribute contribute on cheaper deals but at the same time you know it's like are you guys daring lebron to retire or ask out you know like he's like this is a guy who you know he wants veterans he wants all these guys around him like i'm not sure about 
the feasibility of like, hey, you know, we're going to have two rookies, and also we're hoping Max Christie, our you know our draft pick from last year, is going to contribute this year, and then oh, also like LeBron, please come back, and uh, yeah, we're not trading for any of like the superstar veterans, whatever that you really want. Like that part of it is confusing to me, and it's why I don't really think that they'll do it. I think they'll ultimately just use the pick, or maybe you know they trade it for a first this year and a future first. So they kind of replenish their draft pick coffers down the line. But for me, I don't know. I mean, I, I believe the people that are saying that they've discussed like trade down possibilities. I just can't see them doing it because I think they're going to want more veterans on the team. That, that totally makes sense. Well, let's talk a little bit about the NBA. Your thoughts on the rumors about Damian Lillard maybe on the move and in the last 24 hours, maybe Bradley Beal going somewhere. And we hear Miami and Milwaukee might be the front runners for Bradley Beal. Yeah, I, I mean, I just mentioned the CBA and that new kind of more punitive second apron that's going to be taking effect next summer that isn't a hard cap, but essentially is because of all the punishments that teams get if they exceed it. You know, you can't get your mid-level exception. You start It starts knocking your draft picks back in the order. You know, you can't sign buyout free agents. You can't make certain trades. Like, you're really just trapped if you exceed that second apron. And so, you know, the fact that these teams that are not really going anywhere, like the Blazers and like the Wizards, that they're going to potentially be moving off these guys who are going to be $60 million players a year, you know, over the course of these contracts that they're on and that they're potentially willing to kind of move off of them as these kind of more punitive taxing come in. Like, that is not surprising to me. The thing that, you know... I am not sure about is really like where Bradley Beal is going to end up. I mean, the Heat are an interesting name, you know, just because they could probably use one more guy. But what are you sending out? I mean, I guess Tyler Hero, he didn't contribute throughout that whole finals run. And so, you know, maybe he can sort of slot in as part of that trade package and the finances to make it work there. It sounds like Beal does have interest in going to Miami. But, um, you know, you're going to see, I think, a lot more rumors like this of these super high paid guys that got these super maxes or close to super maxes under the last CBA where these owners are like, Oh no, like we are not going anywhere. I, I don't want to be paying this guy 60 million and be you know, losing draft picks and losing the mid-level exception and all this stuff. Like maybe it is time for a rebuild. And so I think we're going to see a lot of trade movement over the next, or at least trade rumors over the next week. I don't know how much actual movement we'll see, but we're going to see a lot more rumors involving a lot more guys now that the finals are over and all these teams are kind of, you know, the, the informal waiting period of like, Hey, don't leak your news. Don't distract from the finals. Like let's, you know, all that stuff is going to start to trickle out and already is. And I think there's going to be even more over the next week and it's going to get pretty crazy heading into free agency. It seems as teams try to position themselves for this new CBA. Always a fun time of the year when the draft and free agency starts. Harrison, first time on the show. We thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again from time to time. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to come back anytime. All right, thank you so much. Harrison Fagan from SP Nation, the NBA manager and also Lakers SPN blogger, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. Go to alohakia.com. You know a guy. He, that was a, he was a really good guest. I really enjoyed that conversation. How about, wow. You know, one of the things that the Lakers need to do is you want to get, you know, I guess free agents for LeBron. But at the same time, they also need to concentrate on keeping some of the role players they have. And I'm using finger quotes when I say role players. D'Angelo Russell. You're going to want to keep D'Angelo Russell. I don't know his contract situation, but I, I think he's can be up for a contract. Austin Reeves was that's a huge one. part. And that's the one. It looks like the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets are trying to get, and I'm just going off of rumors. Houston Rockets are trying to get James Harden back. 
Yeah. Now, if they can't land him, word is they're going to go after uh, Austin Reeves because this guy is due a big payday. I'm sure he wants to stay in L.A., but at the same time, if someone's going to offer him $30 million, then what are you going to do if you're Austin Reeves? He's already said a month or two ago, I'm here to make money. I mean, if I can make money, I'd love to be loyal and play with the Lakers, but I'm also, I'm being honest, I want to make a lot as much money as I can. I love the love fact it. that he was honest about it. Not too many people Love are. it. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, if you're uh, feeling a little hungry, that's right. Check out the Pagoda Restaurant, now located in the International Ballroom. If you mention ESPN Honolulu, you get the special $7.50 price. A couple of eggs, Portuguese sausage, rice or toast. They've got omelets, uh, French toast and waffles and things like that, too. It's uh, They're open Monday through Friday for breakfast from 7 to 11 and weekends till noon. For details and the menu, visit PagodaHawaii.com. Ricky Fowler remains uh, one back at two under in the uh, U.S. Open going on right now. Uh, in the top of the leaderboard, Xander Schauffele, somebody named something Solomon and Dylan Wu. Sorry, they only have last names. I'm just watching on TV. Uh, Dylan Wu are three under at the top. An amateur from UCLA and Mexico, uh, Omar Morales, is also uh, tied with Fowler at two under. So there you go. Omar Morales almost sounds like the head of the cartel on Ozarks. I wonder. I, I, is it, I don't know. I can't remember. It's but, Omar hey, something. You were talking about um, you were talking about uh, LeBron James and a statue outside Bitcoin Arena or what's it called? <laughs> well, Crypto.com Arena. Crypto.com. I like get Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin Arena better. Yeah. Okay, so who do they have statues of now? They got Jerry West. Jerry West. I know they got Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe. You know what? Um, oh, they do have Jerry West. And I believe no, Kareem. It, okay, so we got four statues. I'm going to look up how what many. About, oh, no more Gail Goodrich? No, no. Ooh, how's no. that for a blast from the past, huh? Yeah, I loved him. No Gary Payton for his no, one he year wasn't there? there? No, he was there. No. No Robert Ory would, either. Well, yeah. But, I mean, you should. I, I would think that Shaq would get a statue. I'm he does. Shaq. I think he does. LeBron, Shaq does. I meant LeBron. LeBron. Sorry. LeBron James should get a statue. I'm just thinking. Because he's the greatest player of all time. Magic Johnson as well. Oh, yeah. you got to have Magic, yeah. But, um, you know, no Bill Rambis. There's no Rambis statue. And actually, (laughs) no Kobe yet. No Kobe yet. I imagine that'll be happening. Oh, well, you can't put LeBron before Kobe. That's a good point. Oh, that would be – oh, people would be really upset. Yes. But get get the Kobe one done, and then um, with LeBron – I think LeBron would, just because he's one of the greatest players of all time, and as Laker Nation, you want to claim those players, right? No. Wilt Chamberlain, when you think of Wilt Chamberlain, you think, at least I do, think of him as an L.A. Laker, not a Philadelphia 76er, right? When you think of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you think of Kareem as a Laker and not as a Buck. So... If LeBron James, you want your claim to, by claiming LeBron James with a statue, you're saying, hey, 
the best players in the world play for the Lakers. But he doesn't it's really that. an investment into your free agent future. You want to be like Shaq? You want to be like LeBron? You want to be like Wilt? You want to be like Kareem? You want to be the best of the best? You become a Laker. Elgin Baylor was the other one I forgot, but I don't think he deserves it. You got to you got to earn that. And for what he did as an LA Laker, one title, which is great. It's not good enough to get a statue. I mean, why wouldn't Robert Ory deserve one more than, you know, as a, one example, more because, than LeBron? Because Robert Ory is a role player, and you know that. Come but on. he was a big role player, and you know yeah, that. He was a role for player. A it's like saying get, get, get a statue of Tyler Hero at, at Miami. Oh, he's a sixth player of the year, and he's a really good player, but he, Tyler Hero is not the reason they won a championship or two. No, and LeBron is the biggest reason why they won that. But it's only one championship. I can't believe he's going to be in a Laker jersey in that statue. If I'm the Lakers, how many fan championships right now, did Elgin Baylor win? Well, probably more than one. I would think definitely. Oh, you don't know that. You'll have to check it out. I'd have to look it out. Yes. Top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Weatherman says, uh, the weather person today says cloudy uh, uh, today, but looks beautiful out here right now. It's going to be mostly sunny this weekend. The trades are going to be, it's going to be hot, but at least we'll have the trades at 10 to 20. Uh, three things you need to know coming into work today as well. Uh, they're, they're moving the scoreboard. I saw on KHON2, they're moving the Aloha Stadium scoreboard to T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. It has been taken down and ready for transport. Good things come to those who wait, and I know the fans have been waiting a long time, so that will make the stadium that much better next year. I'm just curious how it will look as far as the perception. From Aloha Stadium, it was a great scoreboard, but it wasn't gigantic depending on where you were sitting. At T.C. Ching, it's going to look really big regardless of yeah. where you're sitting. Right. It was a big scoreboard. They just used half of it for uh, advertising. That's true. If too. they wanted to, they could they could take away those ads, and it would be it would have been uh, quite huge. Now it's not Dallas Cowboys huge. No, but no. you know, for for us, yeah, for that stadium, it will be. If I'm not mistaken, aren't they going to put it at the top of Les Murakami Stadium? Is that right? I thought so. I mean, that's what I was told. Um, I don't know if it was on top of Les Murakami Stadium or it was on top of the bleachers. By Les Morikami Stadium. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. U.S. Open started today. Uh, we're early on, and we'll have an update from Los Angeles itself, actually, coming up in 12 minutes. So we'll get into that there. But Ricky Fowler is still just one shot back. That's kind of the news so far this morning. It just seems like every time there's a major on Thursday morning, when you go through the first hour or two of play for, on the first round, of course, you hear names that are pretty cool stories. And then by, let's say, Friday or Saturday, yeah. you never hear those names anymore. Yeah, but it is yeah. fun on day one. It is. <laughs> it's hard to go wire to wire, especially in a major, right? We hear, yes. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Oh, uh, we were sad to hear yesterday afternoon when the news came out of uh, Coach Jimmy Yagi passing away in Hilo. Yeah, great guy. I got to know him over the years when I was in Hilo. And for some reason, I was just thinking of this one memory. It just shows how 
great of a guy he is and how he could have you know taken action against the player. They came back from a road trip against Chaminade, I believe, and they were at the Hilo Airport. The bus came to pick the team up, and for whatever reason, they were at the airport for a while, and one of the players, John Q. Jones, some fans will remember him from the 80s, uh, he decided he didn't want to wait any longer, so he drove the bus with whoever was on it back to campus. And... Uh, some people were left at the airport without a ride, plus he was not uh, approved to be driving the bus. And no discipline on John Q. Jones. I know Jimmy Yagi had a talk with him, and uh, whatever was said was taken care of, and it never happened again. John, it's unkind of you to leave the re- half of your teammates at the airport. <laughs> For some reason, that popped into my mind. <laughs> the, key, the, key, the keys are in the bus. Ah, I'm just, oh, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to teach him a lesson. <laughs> basically what happened he drove it back to campus and no Classic. cell phones back then so nobody knew what happened for a while i guess but uh <laughs> can you imagine at uh joe von mcclanahan's like all right let's teach these guys a lesson i'm closing the door reaching over like reuben kincaid driving the partridge family bus closing the door <laughs> manually and then driving off yeah. oh that's hilarious uh let's see what else is going on here today um while not really today but Yesterday afternoon, off the bench uh, with Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes, they talked to Gloria, is it Navarez? Yes. Gloria Navarez is the new Mountain West Conference um, commissioner. commissioner. And there's a couple of things going on in the Mountain West uh, that they asked her about that were quite interesting. And the first one is about Aloha Stadium. And they asked, you know, is is, is you know, does size matter? They didn't say that, but, you know, when they asked her about Lois Stadium, and this is what she had to say. From your perspective and, and really the conference's perspective, uh, what, what are your thoughts on what Hawaii is going through right now with that stadium situation and maybe how it potentially affects the conference, if at all? You know, it, it's so difficult from a conference office to, you know, really identify deeply with all the local politics and issues. But what I look for in our membership is commitment and vision by the president and athletic director to do what it takes to invest at the level to be competitive at the Mountain West as well as nationally. And that's where I feel really good about President Lassner's vision and direction and commitment. I think Craig is coming in with an enthusiasm and a clear vision on on what he wants and needs for his programs and football stadiums. So in that sense, I feel really, really positive um, in the direction. Of course, like everyone, you want these things sooner rather than later. And, you know, it really is about the brand of the league, about the brand of the school, and ensuring that we're still keeping up with the Joneses. And, uh, and, and, you know, I did hear her say, you know, better, you know, better now than, you know, better earlier than later. But that's the that's the part that maybe she doesn't understand is is how we do things here. We're always later, never earlier. Yes, yeah, seems that way for those big projects. But what I got out of it also, maybe reading between the lines, is that she's not going to take any action against Hawaii. I mean, you know, people were wondering if we don't have a big stadium, will the Mountain West kick us out? And that question has been posed, and I think that's what she was indirectly answering, saying as long as there's a commitment and a vision, you know, she'd rather have it done again sooner than later, but it's not like she's looking to oust Hawaii. I don't think that's the, the thought process by anybody there, the mindset for anybody in the conference. Right. And if she they came out and said, well, they told us it's going to be 20, I don't even remember what it is anymore, 2026? 20, 20, 28. 
Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's worse than I thought. Uh, so, okay, so coming up in, in five years, we're going to have a stadium, and this is how we're going to get there, blah, blah, blah. So she's satisfied with that answer. If we actually do have a stadium in five years, right? that's the part that worries me. me 13 too. years down the line, are they going to say, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll just wait. That's the part that's scary. But for, we're good for now. We're good for now. So that's encouraging. It is. And that, that, that was encouraging because, again, I, mean, I don't think she would have said anything differently, but the way she said it, I believe her. And, I, and again, oh, yeah, what yeah, else yeah. are they going to do? I mean, it's, it's hard to kick a team out, but, I mean, she realizes what's going on there. And she also mentioned the politics right at the beginning. I think she was uh, kind of hinting as far as her knowledge of things she has heard or been told about what's been going on and what some, what some <laughs> of the limitations are uh, right. with the politics and University of Hawaii people and the stadium, of course. Yeah. But I, I was glad to hear that from her because it sounded again. Again, that's one concern hopefully we don't have to worry about as far as the Mountain West looking elsewhere, looking to get Hawaii out. Yeah. And and uh, uh, Craig Angelis at least is like, hey, but hey, we got a really big scoreboard coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Step one. But hopefully, again, that was that was nice to hear at least. Yeah. Conference realignment is, is where this comes into. Is It's not so much maybe, okay, is the Mountain West is okay with Hawaii and their, their – their, um, you know, their tiny stadium, but is it, okay, what I believe the Mountain West will become is the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 will disperse between the Big 12 and the Big 10 and other places, right? Could be. So when when we become the Pac-12, will be Hawaii be invited? I know I might even be talking fantasy, but will we be invited if we're playing at T.C. Ching? I don't think and we'd maybe be, it, yeah. I don't think we'd be invited either way. I just don't. Uh, well, I mean, we haven't been yet. Again, what would be the reason? We know that some schools are reluctant to come here from the Mountain West. Not that they're reluctant. They, it's not their favorite city. It's great for recruiting, but they got to get the travel subsidies. But coaches don't look forward to it. There's not as much right. to get. And the size of the stadium doesn't matter, I don't think, uh, to, as far as the visiting school. Because you're going to get the same guarantee no matter the size of the stadium. You're not going to get yeah, you know 500000 less because it's a small stadium. Nobody will but- come if that's the case. But do the other presidents say, let's not bring Hawaii because of this? The travel, time of travel, length yeah, of travel, that all that. That's, yeah, the, that's the only it. reason or the main reason, easily, I think. Why yeah. do it if you don't need to? Now, again, if they get so, super desperate, I guess anything is possible. And if they lose a few more schools, that's been rumored. But I think right. Hawaii would be almost the last, you know, the last option almost. Yeah, and it's not now. Remember, we're a football-only school in the Mountain West, right? That's so, if we had a, like a really great basketball programs and you know the volleyball and all of that, doesn't mean anything to the Mountain West. Good point. I didn't think of it that way. That makes sense as well. I just uh, again, I, as far as the Pac-12, I know. It's, I mean, for the last twenty years, people bring that up, uh, and in a perfect world, yeah. But I just and I, I know Hawaii maybe has. The advantage of maybe being kind of a gateway to Japan, maybe uh, I don't know we'll if that's see. Uh, yeah I don't know if that's we, accurate. June Jones talked about that in 1999, so we'll see. And I know uh, Athletic Director Angelus has mentioned that as well, but it's not an original idea. But to get that to happen, I mean, there's still more people that follow UCLA in Japan than they do the University of Hawaii now. Sure. Don't we have a couple of uh, Japanese basketball players who are going to be playing for UH? What, one is coming this year. I don't have his name in front of me, but that's part of the – I mean, the Japan tour, which we'll talk to Iran Kanat next hour about, they are going to Japan, and they do have that one player who what is from Japan, yes, on this team. 
Now, I heard that there were two players. Maybe one is a football player. I know the running back baseball, graduated. Baseball. Baseball. Rich oh, Hill baseball. Has one. Okay, so Rich Hill has a Japanese player. But we've had players from Japan on baseball before. Oh, what was that guy's name? He was super, super popular. He played, yeah, he played shortstop. He was super, super popular. Everybody loved him. But I don't know that that brought in popularity for University of Hawaii sports. Now, if this was a guy who was killing it and leading the Big West in home runs, something like that, and he was from Japan, well, you know what? People are going to start paying attention. True. Um, but, you know, we don't have that kind of ballpark. Uh, as far as baseball goes. Right. But right. if you got a guy like Rui Hachimura playing basketball for your school, I would have imagined that Rui uh, was pretty popular in Japan. Yeah, he had been. George Washington, when they came here, had a freshman player, Utah Watanabe, who was now in the NBA, was with Brooklyn last year. He bounced around. Right. And that was a big deal for them. But at that university, they get so many foreign students that it wasn't a super big deal. But he was a guy, I think he helped have interest in their program from Japan just because of how successful he was in that level. Right. Uh, let's see, we got about a minute, and uh, then we're going to have an uh, update uh, from L.A. Country Club on the U.S. Open. Gordon, thank you for calling in. Go ahead. Yeah, real quick. Um, so teams are worried about coming out here. I mean, we have to go that many more times to the mainland. So we're the ones who are having to have the big expense going the multiple times. They only have to come out here once. Yeah, we don't have a choice. The others, If the Pac-12 would want to get Hawaii, they have a choice. Maybe they can eliminate that possibility of traveling here yeah, by not inviting guess, us. Yeah, if you look at it that way, I, I'm just saying that it – in the in the in the scheme of expense, I mean, we're the ones. If if, if everything's equal, and I guess everything is not equal, they, they they're going to find some other reason not to not to want UH. But if mm. you know, you can't say that they have any more expense than we do. We actually have more expense, you know? and we pay for them to come over here yeah. too. Thank you. That's a great point, Gordon. Thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, and it, it, right. I mean, not only it's like they come, but you know, we're going to charter a plane for you at least. Yeah, I'm sure that would be that. You know, that deal is never, never gonna ever gonna go away. Probably not. Probably not. Too bad, mm-hmm. but part of the business of college athletics. Yeah, I wanted to get into, and we'll do that uh, coming up after our U.S. Open, um, our U.S. Open uh, decline, our U.S. Okay. Open uh, coverage coming up in a second here. But about San Diego State leaving the Mountain West Conference, so San Diego State could be the you know the first. Uh, the first domino to fall. So uh, that's coming up here uh, on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, by the way, if you haven't heard, we were very excited about this last hour. We are celebrating National Dump the Pump Day today. <laughs> and I would just like to make give a message from my heart to please leave the car at home, bypass the gas station, conserve fuel, get a beaky bike, and ride to work. Maybe you can walk to work. But, you know, it's it's the day to do it. Call an Uber. <laughs> Dump the pump. Get someone else to drive you. All right, we got an update from L.A. Country Club, uh, U.S. Open going on. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. My heart called out to you 
Good morning. Hey, remember, we're going to be at Growler Hawaii, Josh Pacheco and the animals, and uh, we got to get Kanoa Leahy down there again. But uh, Growler Hawaii, our really big road show from 5 to 7 this Wednesday, uh, we are going to be uh, uh, joining us is going to be uh, Coach Bud Nagamine, also uh, Craig Angeles, Hawaii's athletic director. Uh, some people may have seen him around town, but uh, come on by and say hi and meet the athletic director at Growler Hawaii. Five o'clock is when uh, he is slated to join us down there at the pub. Great poo-poo, uh, drink specials, happy hour, Monday through Friday, every well, happy hour every day, 3.30 to 6.30. So we'll be in the midst of that. So good fun. Join us down there at Growler Hawaii on Wednesday. All right. Uh, yesterday uh, afternoon, the uh, guys had, the fellas had uh, Gloria Navarez, the uh, commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, on their radio show. And what timing. And I'm sure this is one of the reasons the timing of hiring an athletic director was done when it was, because the Mountain all the, the Mountain West meetings or whatever were held in Hawaii. You see, that's what you get if you bring Hawaii. You don't want to play here, but you can have your preseason meetings in Hawaii. Who wouldn't love that? Yeah, nobody objected to that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, nobody said, oh, I don't want to do like to travel. Let's go to Laramie instead. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, the, so they have the meetings uh, here in Hawaii, and then um, they're probably like, hey, Craig, where's a good place to eat? He's like, I don't know. I just got here myself. <laughs> you tell me. Let me go ask my friend Mark Beavers. Mark, where, where are we going to eat in Kailua? Anyway, um, that's not how Mark Beavers talks. I don't know why. Or Craig Angelus, apparently. Wouldn't it be great? Have, you, have we heard him talk? I guess yeah. we've heard him. I haven't heard him on the news or anything. Have Craig Angelus? Yeah. Well, he's on oh, our he... show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. What did we talk about? Do you remember? Uh, well, we talked about him getting hired, why he wanted the job, what his vision is. And... Yeah, I remember that. And he said, well, the reason I want the job is he sounded like B.A. <laughs> Have you seen B.A. on the Facebook? He bought a house, and he's uh, renovating his his own little house somewhere in the south. I, th- I, I that? saw that. He had his own reality show. Well, he's got a great yard. He, had, he turned dirt into a nice yard. Wow. B.A. Brian we're talking about for yes. folks, uh, the old timers will remember. All right, so anyway, Gloria Navarez was on the show, and uh, they asked her about, you know, San Diego State, because San Diego State, their AD is like, yeah, we're gone. A conference realignment and all of that. And Gloria Navarez said, well, I think that uh, anyway. <laughs> this is This is the conversation yesterday. Listen, let's listen back to that. What's been your outlook on the conference as a whole right now? You know, there, there's all this talk about, you know, the Power Five and conference realignment. You, what's been your general outlook on the Mountain West as a whole? You know, when I took this job, the, I was pretty sure San Diego State was going to be gone as of when I started January 1st. So the fact that it hasn't happened yet is, you know, interesting. But still, what I love about the Mountain West is, we are absolutely so well positioned in this new expanded FBS playoff. You know, Power Five, Group of Five, I think we probably have to think about whether those labels apply anymore. And, you know, look what we did for Utah. Look what we did for TCU. If San Diego State goes on to, you know, a bigger and better league, that's great as long as the Mountain West doesn't take a step backward, and I don't see us doing that. I only see us being even more well 
positioned as we continue to invest and expand and grow to get one of those AQ spots in the expanded playoffs. Oddly, the day I started at the WCC, the Mountain West was courting Gonzaga. (laughs) 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 And so now, (laughs) fast forward, it's just an everyday thing, keeping track of your membership. Um, But, you know, conference work has a a lot of similarities at the different levels. It's just the scope and the size of the budget um, that change. But, you know, it's about ensuring you have strong communication that, you know, we're working for together for the best interests of the league, um, but also respecting the individual roles of and the idiosyncrasies of the local institution. So um, in, in that sense, I feel I, I learned a lot at the WCC and it prepared me quite well for this exact situation. <laughs> Gosh, this interview has actually taught me a lot. You, uh, you learned the Mountain West was courting Gonzaga, but your time at the West Coast Conference, you kept Gonzaga. You come in first day on the job in the Mountain West. You hear people are trying to take San Diego State. Right now, you've kept San Diego State. I mean, uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> 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 Boy, that Gloria Navarro, she's a real firecracker. <laughs> they were having a good old time on the show yesterday. Anyway, uh, so your reaction to hearing that. So San Diego State, uh, she thought would be gone, but, well, they're still here. We've heard rumors, and I know a month ago or so, I think you guys brought up, I guess their AD made it sound like they were good as gone. I talked to Not made bat- it sound. He said, we're good as gone. We're joining the Pac-12. Yeah, and he I talked came- to... Word for word, that's what he said. I, I remember, and I talked to the basketball coaches like that day or the next day, and they said, no, there's just talk. There's nothing happening yet. So even though it appeared that there's interest, and the Pac-12, you would think, is going to want to do something soon, uh, mm. it hasn't happened yet. But let's say San Diego State does leave like everybody kind of believes they will. She's mm-hmm. making it sound like the conference is really healthy. She talked about other schools leaving. We're still good. But if you lose a San Diego State, who, by the way, for the Mountain West overall, was members in the championship game of college basketball last year. I know we're talking football, basically. But for the conference, that's a loss. Who are you going to get to replace them? So you're going to maybe get some of these Pac-12 cast-offs. Or maybe Big 12? I mean, until that happens, I wonder if it will, which to me means that the conference could be diminished a little bit if you get a San Diego State leaving. And let's say one other school like a Boise does decide to leave. This conference is not as strong football-wise or even basketball-wise. Why San Diego State and not Boise? Is it just the, the number of the, the yeah the number of uh, the number of people that live in San Diego as opposed to as opposed to Boise? I think that's the main reason. But we've also heard, I guess, academically, Boise doesn't add to the conference, and I forget exactly what the specifics were. But academically, oh. they're not a good fit to the Pac-12. Gotcha. That's right. I remember that. So why wouldn't you? Why you? And if you change that then maybe you're not the football powerhouse that you used to be. Because uh, June Jones was here, and I remember him saying, you know, that because early in his career at Hawaii, didn't they change the, didn't they change the, admission, pro- um, what, the admission process? What's Quali- the word I'm looking for? Qualifications, yeah, yeah. To, go to, to, to go to UH. They changed it making it hard on the sports programs. I think they did, and there was a little bit of controversy. There. Something Notre Dame has faced over the years as well. So oh, for, really? Yeah for, yeah, for Boise, so if they change, I mean, it's a Pac-12. I mean, again, it's not a big market. It is a good football program. But, and for other sports, I mean, I don't, I don't, they don't have a baseball team, I don't believe. Who? Uh, Boise. 
So if you, let's say Boise is going to move to the Pac-12, I don't know if they have all the sports that are necessary. And I'm not sure if other conferences want a football member only. Uh, they're good in basketball. Uh, but, again, they're not a big market. They're not a big draw uh, for basketball. Uh, football, I guess they have a big state, bigger stadium now after the renovation a few years ago. But San yeah, Diego but State could like make 30, more sense. Yeah, right. 5,000 seats or something. Right, right, it's less than 40. But San Diego State seems like it would be a better fit, geographically speaking, and the mar- yeah. I mean, because of the market as well. But at the same time, are people even looking at geographically nowadays? I look at the Big Ten. I mean, they're spread out over the – their footprint, right? Yeah, really, is spread out all over the United States. It seems like the Pac-12 is going to be reliant more on their next TV package. And what I also read, mm. and, I'm, and I know they're getting close to completing something, but it might be all mostly a streaming package, and that might be their best option. But I think a lot of schools are looking at that. So let's say San Diego State as an example. You want to see their TV package. If they're not getting as much or even nearly what the other Power Five conferences are getting for everything involved, then why would you necessarily join that conference? From a competitive standpoint, you're not going to be as good right away. And if you're not making enough money to make it worth it, maybe you don't. And I, I'm just wondering. I don't know if they really feel that way. But, I mean, I just saw – I forget what – I think it was the um, – I think it was the Pac-12 last year – they distributed something like $29 million. I might be off a little bit, but $29 million for each member, where the SEC had something like $45 million or something like that, maybe even more. So they're not as good as these other conferences. $29 million for each school. $45 million? I think the SEC is in the $45 million like, range. That doesn't seem like that much, $15 million. Well, you said 50 15 what would he get? Fifteen. You said forty-five to twenty-nine, oh. sixteen million. Oh, the difference between them. That's a, as far yeah. as what the, but, it might, and it might be more of a gap than that. It's still uh-huh. enough where it, the Pac-12 is in trouble, and they're trying to get a new TV package. So you just lost your LA market. So that's why I think the Pac-12 is struggling to get their new TV package or agreement with what network or streaming. And streaming, I, and I don't know for sure, but it sounds like it wouldn't offer as much in dollars as opposed to an ESPN, a Fox, That doesn't a CBS. make sense. That doesn't, if Amazon wanted them, right? If Amazon wanted to show them on Prime, I mean, I would, I would think that in the future, all of these deals are going to be streaming deals. Probably so, but the because Pac-12 I mean, what television? Now. What what television do you have nowadays that you don't that you click on? Um, there, the younger people today aren't signing up for, uh, aren't watching as much television. It's a fact. I'm not right. putting yes. down the industry. They're not watching as much broadcast TV, but they are streaming. So by the time in ten years. When these 25-year-olds are 35 and making more money and being more desirable to advertisers, they're used to streams. So I would think a streaming deal would be the way to go. Because it seems like the streaming guys, I mean, ESPN television, what what they've done is spend so much money on TV contracts that they've got to start firing people because they've they've, they've bit off more than they can chew. I would think these streaming deals, though, would be um, really the way to go for these okay. networks. What I would think, though. Uh, excuse me, conferences. But I, I would think if you're Amazon Prime as an example, is the Pac-12 worth as much as it was a year ago when you had USC and UCLA? Probably not. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Oh, I see what you're saying. So okay, I wonder yes, if the streaming correct. packages offers would be as much. Now, one thing I'm seeing, the Pac-12 actually got $37 million, um, a year or so ago. So I, I know the numbers were really 
big as far as the difference between the SEC and the Pac-12. I thought I saw a 29, but 37, I'm saying. That was a record for the Pac-12, but it's not nearly as much as the other, especially the SEC or Big Ten TV packages. Yeah. So what That's are they going to do? That's why USC, UCLA, well, either they're going to disband, which is incredible that a conference like that could, that could happen to, uh, or you're just trying to save yourself by getting these other schools like a San Diego State and who else and make sure other schools aren't leaving. Because remember two, three weeks ago, the rumors about the Big 12 maybe getting, was it, I forget what, it was like Washington and Cal, I think, were supposedly on the Big 12's uh, wish or, list. And Ari- oh, Arizona wow. was the other one. Arizona, thanks, Tanner. Arizona, Colorado. Okay, thank you. That's right. Uh, you know what? We uh, Let's continue this in a second. got to uh, uh, check your traffic. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. It's been kind of a fun uh, chat on um, on uh, conference realignment here. We're the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, if you want to get in on the conversation, you can call or text in the Zephyr Insurance hotline. And uh, here's a text. It says, realignment hopes for UH would be a different narrative if we actually had more success on the field. Flying to Hawaii may not seem like such a burden for the conference if UH added value. I don't know. If I'm an opposing coach and i got to fly to Hawaii, I want Hawaii to be bad. <laughs> don't you? Yeah, if Hawaii is, let's say, the 2007 team, why would you necessarily want to come here as opposed to going up against the 1998 team? I mean, right. the money's got to be the same. So, I mean, it is a business, and schools, I mean, schools think about their next game, their previous game, as far as the jet lag, travel, and all that, even though it's only a you know, five-hour ride from the West Coast, I know coaches are reluctant, at least in basketball, to come here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's one. It says, if the Pac-12 invites UH to join, it's just the third version of the WAC, meaning it's the same schools for the most part. That's what, Eddie. That's what I've been saying the whole time is what used to be the whack. It's like, oh, man, maybe we can get in the, into the Mountain West. Well, the Mountain West, the whack became the Mountain West. And I'm wondering if the Pac-12, the Mountain West just becomes the Pac-12. And, guess, you know, you might have some Stanford and Arizona State remain or something like that. Um, Colorado and Colorado State. There's a rivalry right there, maybe. But I'm, I'm wondering if... Oregon and Washington and Arizona, like you said. Others, Colorado, if they all of a sudden get good. I wonder, though, if some of these schools go to the Big 12, Big 10, and other places. They'll go where the money is. They'll go where the money is. And I would think if, let's say, Hawaii joined the Pac-12 with those other schools and we're saying it might be like the Mountain West and or WAC, the money would probably be a lot better because it would be considered a Power 5 conference. If that, if you have some of those schools remaining, I would also say for the schools leaving the big, uh, the Pac-12, USC and UCLA was a package deal. So let's say you're Oregon and you want to leave. It doesn't have to be a package deal with Oregon State, but I would think it'd be pretty bad and sad for Arizona to leave with Arizona State, Stanford without Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. You would think 
whoever was taking a school, you're going to want two to keep it even and maybe have the two schools from the same state join whatever conference it might be. It makes more sense for a lot of people. Right, and that's what they did. Is that what they did with um, Colorado and Colorado's? No, not Colorado no. State. USC and UCLA they did. That was the package. Arizona and Arizona State. Where were they before? Weren't they whack. in the WAC? Yeah, yeah. They were in the WAC, yeah. Right. So if you're going to think of, if we hear rumors about Arizona maybe going to the Big 12, which we have, wouldn't it make sense for, I mean, I, I mean, it, it was a lot of scrutiny, a lot of criticism of schools leaving the conference, first of all. But if one school left without the other, uh, I don't know how, if they have to, you know, how they have to go through the legal process there, even though they'd probably be able to go if they want. Any school can, I guess, by paying a price. But you're going right. to probably, wouldn't you want to go with your, your, your travel partner, so to speak, the Arizona, Arizona State or, you know, Oregon, Oregon State and like that? Something to watch for. They do have more realignment because we know they're not done. Yeah, but uh, you think that's not going to be a, a deal breaker? Uh, hey, you know what? We're because uh, Colorado plays Colorado State. Don't they play each other every year yeah. anyway? Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to like if Arizona, if, if the Big Ten's all, hey, we'll take Arizona. We we don't want uh, Arizona State. You think Arizona's going to go like? Well, we really a package. No, they're like, give us the money. We don't care about anybody else. I think they could do that. But I think, again, with the Colorado, they don't really have the in-state partner. I mean, Utah might be the same school because they went to the Pac-12 together. But the other schools that are in-state schools together, uh, and th- didn't somebody have to approve, like the state, I don't know who it is in California, they had to approve the move. Uh, I forget what what they're called. That's the Board of Regents, obviously, but some state entity. Well, the Board of Regents. <laughs> well, but the state entity, the state, somebody, I mean, wasn't there something where the governor had to approve it or had the right to veto or something along those lines? So I think there's two... somewhere, if it's a state school, if it's a state school, then you're the, I don't know, your your Donna Mercado Kims get involved. And that's that's the, I mean, they get, you know, that's, a, I, I think in some they have to, but more times out of not, you would think they will get improved because it means bringing more money into their state with these TV contracts. So you approve it, you take credit for it, and you look like a hero. Then you look bad to some people by breaking up the you know the in-state rivals and conference of Arizona, Oregon, and Washington. Yeah, but I mean. I don't know Arizona if Arizona and Arizona State is that is that a I don't know. I, it's a big rivalry. I don't know if it's a deal breaker. I I don't know, but I think it's something that they'd have to consider with any of these schools. Because I wonder when the Big Ten had the deal, obviously with L, uh, SC and UCLA, was it one school first, or that they can did they you know address them and offer both SC at the and, same time and UCLA? I thought it was. Well, I was just saying, could you? Have, I don't know if you could have gotten one without the other. Is my point. Hmm. And that's what I mean about the other schools from the same state. Okay. All right. 808-296-1420. You can call or you can uh, text in on the Zephyr Insurance text line. And uh, we'll uh, take more texts and calls coming up next. Uh, Over at the U.S. Open, L.A. Country Club, uh, Jacob Solomon, Dylan Wu, Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley, Gun. Oh, gosh, he's from Thailand. I can't say his last name. Charan Cole. Sorry, Gun. And Paul Barjan, all tied for the lead at three under. Uh, other notables, Max Homa is two under. Corey Connors is one under. Siwoo Kim, we always see him at the Sony Open. He's one under. Uh, uh, Rombo is one under. Now, 
they had Vegas odds. And the person, like the most famous person, the most, the name golfer who has the worst odds. In other words, a golfer you've actually heard of that has the worst odds of winning the U.S. Open is Stuart Sink. And Stuart Sink is one under two shots back. I know it's early, but wouldn't that be amazing if you put some money on Stuart Sink and he wins this thing? When's the last time you've heard his name for a major as far as the leaderboard, top of the leaderboard? Well, yeah, like I said, it's early. And a lot of times he has his son on his bag. But all he has to do is sink a few putts. (laughs) We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. All right, let's go back to the Zephyr Insurance text line. Oh, this is from earlier this morning. Not sure uh, the texter is still listening. But we were talking about the Oakland A's, and the stadium has been um, – they did win their final legislative approval in Nevada to build that stadium for the – what will, I guess, formerly be called the Oakland A's, for what will be called the Las Vegas A's. And uh, somebody says, I guess Moneyball didn't work. <laughs> That's no, it worked before. It's not working now. I mean, but back then with Moneyball, you were getting players that weren't superstars, weren't going to be highly paid, but had a lot of skill set. Now, whatever players are good, they're getting rid of. It's not like they got all these really good players that can achieve the same thing because of their analytics that add to the team. They're just taking players that they have to get because everybody else is too expensive. So it's a little bit different than Moneyball. The only, I guess, the only, the common denominator, I guess, is that the players on this team aren't highly paid players like they weren't back in Moneyball either. But that team won. This team is not. Although they did have a seven-game winning streak that just ended yesterday, but mm. it's a little bit different there, unfortunately. You know, the Oakland A's, and it's, it, it seems like, you know, everybody wants. Uh, is I think is John Fisher. Is that the name I said before? John Fisher, to sell the team. And, in fact, you know, part of the problem with, uh, you know, what makes the A's kind of a laughing, laughing, st- a laughing stock, a laughing stack, laughing stock, is that, um, you know, the stadium, you hear about the bathroom and sewage backing up and, uh, you know, and would leak onto the field or something. I mean, it's just gross. And so they're like, oh, we want a new stadium. Well, they don't want to give you a stadium. So, okay, well, Las Vegas will give us a stadium. We'll leave. Now... They say no. We we gotta you know we can stay in Oakland right down here by the waterfront, uh, but the owner can't come. It's like nobody wants the owner. The fans don't want him. the The city of Oakland doesn't want him. What do you do if you're the owner? I would think maybe it's a possibility that you're moving the team to Vegas, you get the stadium, and then you sell the team because they're going to be a lot more. There'll be a lot more of an asking price with a new stadium and a new city where right. you're going to draw as opposed to Oakland, so maybe that's the time to sell, make more of a profit off your investment. Or you can do it now. You know what? Sell now. Yeah. And somebody else can deal with the stadium and everything else, and you'll still get your couple of billion dollars. I mean, it has to be a huge profit you're going to make, right? You would think. Yeah, you would think. But, I mean, that, with the new city and everything, it'd probably be worth a lot more. So maybe that would mm-hmm. be the time to sell. But for the good of everybody, it sounds like. Yeah. I want to bring up something. Okay. And, I, you know, every now and then we get coaches that lie. And I get a kick out of oh. it. Now, 
No, I Are think you, you talking about Buffalo? Yes, I am. I got a, I got a, a chortle out of this last night. Uh, with Sean McDermott, you might have heard, and we mentioned it, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday's show, probably Tuesday, where uh, Stefan Diggs did not attend the, the, the mandatory OTA. And Sean McDermott's quote was, I am very concerned about his absence. It's very concerning. Very concerning. And we believe that. Are you concerned him. that he's gone? I'm very concerned. We've heard conflicting reports on whether he was actually there or left early and all that. Then yesterday, late yesterday, we hear from Sean McDermott that it was an excused absence. So it's all okay. It was an excused, excused absence. Well, if it was an excused absence, why would you be concerned at all about him not being there on Tuesday? You... Good coach, put a clown in this. You lied. You got caught lying trying to cover up for your player. I don't know if anybody bought that. Right. I mean, he he didn't. He, he's he's doing a dance. He's yes. he's doing uh, as they said on the radio yesterday. He's doing damage control. Yeah. But it's just not done very well. Somebody needs to help him. So when you're when they're asked, um, well, you know, your tone was totally different. You said you were very concerned. He's like, oh, he's like, oh wait a minute. I'm concerned when any player's not here. Oh, stop! You 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 got all dramatic when asked about it. You you're trying you made you made you're trying to make him look bad. Like, hey, we're the good guys, and Stefan Diggs, he's the jerk. He's the uh, you know he's the guy who doesn't want to be with us. If we lose, it's because of him. <laughs> it's not going that far, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And but... then, I mean, you know what? There's an article that I didn't read yet. It's at profootballtalk.com. Uh, check it out, folks, if you get a chance. Because the headline reads, what's the real story? What's the real story here? That's what we don't know. There's something more than, oh, we didn't throw him the ball enough last year. Right? Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen and those guys, I mean, there's something. there's something going on that uh, we don't know about, and I'm really curious as to what it is. Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers, the best receivers in uh, in the league, obviously, top five, some might say. Now, during the playoff run, Josh Allen threw a lot of interceptions, and he kind of cost the team in the playoffs. And by not getting the ball to Stefan Diggs, um, you know, that was another problem. But why wait? And this is what was brought up yesterday. I'm just repeating what uh, Canty and Carlin were talking about. Why wait six months to try and address this? See, this is something that's been going on for a while. And now that they're in camp, they're like, oh, let's talk about it. Uh, okay. Let's, it, it's, I don't know. It just, it seems like it's a too little, too late type of deal. Isn't that the way it always they, works? In the NFL, players wait till camp starts. Aaron Rodgers didn't talk to the GM. But I don't think it's the players. It's the club that's got to reach out to him. Yeah, it sounds like there's no communication in the offseason in, today's in a lot world. of these cases. Yeah. yeah. Well, there should be. There should yeah. be. But, Sean McDermott, you just lied. Come on. I mean, you just got caught. That was the wrong answer. You could have you could have covered it a little differently, said we worked it out, everything's good, as opposed to saying it was and an left it at that. Yes, yes. And left it at that. Yeah. This is not the New York City media that you're dealing with this is western new york media that you're dealing with it's probably a little easier mm, yeah just right. come out and say hey you know what looking forward to the cincinnati bengals <laughs> looking forward right. to the, i mean not to go that bad but just say hey you know what it's all a thing i don't want to talk about it anymore we've we've figured it out we're on the same page 
Now let's look forward to the Cincinnati Bengals. Right, I mean, basically that's what he should have said. He made himself look dumb by, and it's not really, a, I guess it is a lie, but he made himself dumb by trying to do damage control, but doing it very, very <laughs> poorly. Yes. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Oh, boy. The the, the Buffalo Bills, you, you got to wonder if they're ever going to get to a Super Bowl. Well, they're I mean, a lot closer it, now than they were five years ago. Sure they are. But then, then again, five years ago, the Kansas City Chiefs weren't the Kansas City Chiefs. Joe Burrow wasn't playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. It'd be a shame with a team with this much talent not mm-hmm. getting to a Super Bowl. Anyway, top things you need to know coming up next, ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Hope you're having a wonderful day. They say it's going to be mostly cloudy today. I don't know. It looks pretty beautiful right now. Uh, it's going to be mostly sunny this weekend. Trade's going to be 10 to 20, so it's uh, going to be hot, but at least we've got some breezes going on. All right, here we go. Three things you need to know. Well, we got breaking news. Uh, the University of Portland will replace St. Mary's in the 2023 Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. What's going on? Well, we knew St. Mary's, I think it was two weeks ago, announced that they would not be in the tournament because they're going to be playing in a Las Vegas tournament with San Diego State, Washington, I think Xavier might have been the fourth school. So we knew they were out. So I would imagine at this time it's probably hard to get a school, first of all. You're in mid June. Most schedules are completed. So a lot of people are curious on who they would get. So they do get Portland out of the West Coast Conference, I believe. And I think they were here a number of years ago for the Rainbow, if I'm not mistaken. Is that where Cole Hoagland's brother, I can't remember his name. You, you. Hugh Hoagland, is that where he went, or did he go to Portland State? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I, I'm, I, mm. I'm getting a mix-up right now. I'm not sure. Yeah. So. Anyway, so the uh, – jeez. I, 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 so what it sounds like to me is, hey, we'll come to the, the – you know, we'll come to play in your tournament. Oh, wait, somebody else, somebody else more attractive called. Sorry, we can't come. Yes, that's really? what I initially thought, but think really? about this. St. Oh, I Mary. Hope Gonzaga, I hope Gonzaga – Beat you up and down the floor for the next 10 years. Randy Bennett is the head coach, good friends with Iran. Now, it's not a Hawaii-run tournament, but I, I wouldn't think that he would do that to a friend, all things being equal. Well, he's so not that must, much of a friend, is he? Well, maybe not now, but I, I would imagine that just, a, again, a business decision, money talks, and maybe they have more to offer. Um, yeah. If I'm, I'm ESPN sure. Television, I know this is ESPN Events. It's a different entity, but if I'm ESPN TV, I say, yeah. We're never showing you on television again. Actually, the, whatever Las Vegas tournament is probably on ESPN, too. Probably, probably right? is. Probably is. But, yeah, on the surface, I don't like that either, especially with late notice like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's happened once or twice, not many times where a team bows out, but it's usually pretty soon after the announcement is made in December or January of the previous year to have it in, you know, I guess it was maybe early June or late May when they said that. 
But, I mean, it might have been just one of those opportunities. But why commit? I mean, yeah, I mean, it says something about, you know, and that's a nat- it is a nationally televised tournament, not on ESPN. Uh, a lot of it is on ESPNU, some of it on ESPN2 for the Diamond Head. But, yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. St. Mary's is a better team than Portland. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Ah, that's okay. It's still a great tournament and love going every yeah. single year. So, let's go, Bows. Uh, sad news yesterday afternoon. The uh, great. Uh, Jimmy Yagi has passed away at 88 years old. I'm wondering what we can do to memorialize Jimmy Yagi in, on the Big Island. Yeah, I would imagine they probably have some things in the making. I also know his family was the owner. He owned a meat company. And when I used to work like at Players Sports Bar, we got all our hamburger meat from the company. I can't remember the name right now, but that was one mm-hmm. thing his family was involved in. He, he, again, a, a great coach, great human being. Everybody had a great thing to say about Jimmy Yagi. He really helped Hawaii basketball as far as the NAI schools become powerful and also compete with uh, on the D2 level, obviously, later on. Yeah. He will be missed. He was just a great ambassador yeah. to the sport. Also helped the NAIA schools as well. I thought I heard. <laughs> you said NAI, so I'm just teasing. Oh, it was fun. Like it was fun for me at least. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great, great what... person. Great person. Uh, all right. Uh, the stadium deal was approved in Las Vegas. Does that mean very, very soon we're going to see the Las Vegas Athletics in Major League Baseball? I know it's pretty much a done deal. The governor has to sign off on this. What they say is going to be definite. And somebody else has to sign off it. But they both think those are done deals. So it's just a matter of formalities there. Uh, And then they are expected to play in their new stadium a lot sooner than, let's say, Hawaii football in their new stadium. Even though neither has broken ground yet, uh, they're expected to start, I believe, in 2026. All right. Uh, The U.S. Open starts today. And uh, we'll have an update from L.A. Country Club coming up in nine minutes. And as usual, on Thursday, the first round of these tournaments, you hear a lot of names that you're not familiar with. At least for me, I'm not. Even I know Chris was. Kalana Foods, thank you. Somebody texted that in uh, for Jimmy Agi. But for the U.S. Open, we're hearing names that might not be there tomorrow. But it are, I think those are fun stories to see because every now and then, and I'm not sure what tournament it was recently. There was an amateur. Wasn't he, like, leading even after the second round and in contention on Saturday? And I know it was this year, uh, and I don't remember which tournament, but every now and then you do get that one was, of those. That was the last major with, uh, was it Michael Bach, the PGA yeah, Pro? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and the, the next tournament he played in, remember, part of the deal was you get to be in whatever it was, the Charles Schwab. He finished last place. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, didn't make the cut. I remember saying that. But it's, it's great that it's, the U.S. Open is going on at a, at a country club, in the L.A. Country Club, where they haven't had a PGA event since 1940, let alone yeah. a major. Yeah, right there outside of Los Angeles. So Beverly you know, Hills, all Cowboys, the, all, movie stars. Well, they're saying L.A., so a lot of people, you know, the caddies have handguns inside their. <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they were saying on TV. It's like, it's L.A., watch out. Anyway, uh, we'll have an update coming up. But, by the way, I, I do want to let the cat out of the bag if you're just tuning in. Ricky Fowler is uh, three under, one shot off the lead right now. So let's keep uh, thinking good thoughts. For Ricky Fowler. Now, has he won a major, or is he the best to never win a major? I'm not sure if it's him. Sergio's won well, a major. He, they both had that label, right? Ricky, no. Sergio won a major Recently. Uh, a while ago. Not that long ago, I thought. He won a, well, no, it was a while ago when David Letterman was still on the air. I remember him being on the show. But uh, Ricky Fowler I don't uh, hasn't won a major. Ricky Fowler the last few years has been horribly disappointing. 
He did something in the offseason, changed his swing up a little bit. He's been working on it, and uh, he's been a, a perennial top ten player this this uh, in, as far as a lot of these tournaments this year. Would he be the guy to wear that title, so to speak, as far as the best not win a major? The right most now? famous, maybe one of the most famous not to win a major. Uh, has Xander Shoffley won a major? I can't remember. There's a lot of guys. You know, Sung J M is uh, is a guy who's from Korea who hasn't won a major. But I mean, there's a lot of you know, not Ricky Fowler is a well-known name and a super popular guy. I mean, he's a gazillionaire, not from golf winnings, but from endorsements. Mm. But anyway, uh, so we'll have an update uh, from Los Angeles in about six minutes now here on ESPN Honolulu. All right. um, Hey, um, Kulana Foods is what you were saying. I just wanted to make it a little more clear. The name of the company uh, Jimmy Yagi's family has is Kulana Foods. So thank you for the text. Um, Hard Knocks is having a hard time finding uh, an NFL team that wants to participate this year. There's like four teams that qualify, and all of them say, "Nah, no like." I would think if you're if you're an owner of an LA uh, of a football team, it's great marketing. It's great marketing to give everyone kind of an inside look at the organization. I mean, it's shouldn't be that much of a distraction, should it? Well, the owner probably would love it, but the coach and or GM probably don't because of the, maybe the intrusion. Even though what I've read from when it started in the early 2000s to now, the cameras, the way they place them, the way technology has improved, you don't really even know they're there. Where beforehand yeah, but you're, you did. But you're, but you're being interviewed on the show, too. They know you're there when they're interviewing you. There's not really many interviews there, no. It's usually you really? Them, There's yeah. not many? No, if any, okay, I don't okay. know. There's usually coach. You get them in the locker room talking to each other. You get the team meeting, sideline talk, but they're not talking no to an interviews. announcer. No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So that part, I, 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 and I, and I love the access. I think it's great. I think maybe the NFL should do this. I don't know if it's possible, but it sounds like an easy, good idea. Whoever holds the draft gets to also have hard knocks. It's a package deal. You want the draft? You got to be on hard knocks. Then teams will probably line up for that. I would have. Oh, I'd love to see the Raiders on Hard Knocks. Yeah, I think that would be great. I'd love to see New Belichick on Hard Knocks. But Green Bay is the team for next year's draft. Uh, maybe they, I don't know if they've ever been on Hard Knocks. I don't remember them ever being on. Yeah, I have no interest in in, in following Green Bay. Well, now probably no, but with Aaron Rodgers, right. there probably would have been pretty cool. Yeah, but how about the the Oakland? Uh, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. As Las Vegas is your backdrop. Yeah. And, and all that's going on, that would be cool. It would be. Now, the Raiders were on with Antonio Brown spent about two months there. Remember Antonio Brown? Uh, he was on. That was the time when he was saying his shoe, his shoe was hurting him. Um, his helmet wasn't right. Uh, yeah, he didn't last long in Oakland back then. And uh, what, yeah. But that was hard well, knocks that tell, one year. Tell everyone the latest on Antonio Brown. The latest news is, and not maybe surprised at this, if you haven't heard, he was an owner of an arena football league team. Wasn't paying coaches. Uh, now, it wasn't what, the, the arena football league. It was an arena okay, football okay. team league. And now, that's what you said, but I just wanted to emphasize. Okay. It's something called, like, the National Arena League or something crazy. And they are in Albany, New York. And uh, the news today was that the team got thrown out of the league. Thrown <laughs> out of the league. And it all points to this Antonio is, Brown. This is a this is a this is a team 
that has won the league championship twice, and then I guess somebody sold it to Antonio Brown as the majority owner, and seven games in, seven games in, the team is kicked out of the league. It's pretty sad, pretty sad. And, again, maybe we're not surprised because it's Antonio Brown. Well, you have to tell why they got kicked out of the league. Well, he was I, – I, well, the things he was doing before, again, he, he missed, he's missed payments, which is something very consistent with Antonio Brown, no matter who he owes it to, uh, ex-wives, girlfriends, whoever, rent people who are, are, are landlord or things like that, real estate people, trainers, artists, photographers, people nutritional work, people, people. working on his house, yeah. all of these people yeah. have all sued him because he doesn't pay. Yeah, trainers, come train with me. After the third guy – gets called and says, hey, come train with me, why would you train Antonio Brown? I know. You know, know. unless you're into volunteer volunteer work. Or you want the money up front day one, which probably would never happen because you're not getting it on day 20 or day day 100 either. Yeah, get it up front. Okay, so so this league, and I'm not positive what it's called, National Arena League or whatever, why would you, why would, knowing this, you would grant Antonio Brown ownership in your league? Oh, I can tell. That's I can see stupid. why. It, 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 oh, it be- gives your team and your league a name now. Some people right. know about it. Exposure. Yeah, but is it a good name to be associated with? Not Obviously today. not. <laughs> the only reason people know about you now in cities that you don't play in is because you had a, a weirdo that you had to kick out of the league. That's how bad. It makes you look worse. This news today because you, you, you involved yourself with them. Yeah, you're right. You got involved with Antonio Brown. How stupid as a league are you? That's maybe, what, that's what I'm getting out of the whole deal. Yeah, it was a risk, and maybe they figured the financial investment wouldn't be that steep that but, he could afford it. But right, but even if you know this, he does pay his bills. Do you think people are are excited that Antonio Brown is has ownership in your league? The guy's a horrible person. But initially, yeah, if you're a football fan, it probably gives more credibility to your league no, than you'd have it, otherwise. It, no, it makes your credibility into the dirt because you let a psycho uh, path. You're involved with Antonio Brown. Look at all the crimes he's he's committed. That's true. It's like, you know, I mean, abuse of his of his uh, wife or girlfriend or whatever it is. I mean, it's awful. It's not ended well with him wherever he's been lately. That's for sure. And I don't know. I don't know if he's going to have any other business dealings involving football. I can't believe Again, in a way, you don't, you'd surprise he got this. But, I mean, yeah, the news today, I mean, his name, if it wasn't that much of a negative before, and it was with all the things we've that's talked about. That's what I'm getting at. Is, so that's true. Yeah. That's true. So. All right. Let's go, let's go to Los Angeles and Westwood One. They've got an update on the U.S. Open for us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Listen to this. Breaking news, Aran Ganat is going to join us now. That's not the breaking news. Breaking news, Tiff Wells is reporting. University of Hawaii men's volleyball team has a verbal commit from Kainoa Wade. There you go. Breaking news. Thank you, Tiff. Actually, I think the dad, oh, see, dad can't talk about his own son anymore. Right? Probably so, probably so. Because his dad verbally committed his son a while ago. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't on the air. Probably wasn't, but we've heard, heard, heard that, so not surprising news, but good news nonetheless. Can you talk about your son if he's going to be on your team? 
It wouldn't matter if he's your son, your cousin, your nephew. If he's a player, that would be against the rules to talk about. He's a player that's against the rules to talk about. Mm. All right. Let's bring on our esteemed yes. guest, Coach Gannat. Hi, Coach. Hey, guys. How we doing? Good. Hey, Ron. Good to talk to you. And I know this is kind of the offseason for college basketball. When we heard the news yesterday, we thought we'd like to hear more about your basketball team heading to Japan for a foreign tour coming up August 8th through 19th. Tell us a little bit about this tour coming up. No, it's uh, obviously, as you can, as you know, there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes to make it all happen. So very thankful for a lot of people. And yesterday was an exciting day. To, and, and we've gotten a lot of already uh, positive feedback. Um, you know, we only get to do a tour once every four years. Uh, we did the last one in 2018, went to Australia. We didn't go last year because we didn't want to waste one of these special once every four year tours when there could still be a lot of COVID restrictions. So, uh-huh. um, and before that, I think the program went in 2011, and, and then before that, not for a while. So, uh, one of the things we want to do is, you know, be, do that consistently. So, there's a lot of positives for a foreign tour. Uh, on the floor, you get 10 extra practices in the summer before you go on the tour, which we would never have otherwise. You get to play professional teams, and obviously just playing games in general during the summer is not something you're normally allowed to do. So I think that will obviously help us implement or integrate the newcomers, uh, implement some new stuff. And as you know, we're going to a great city with great people, incredible culture, great food. Uh, none of us have been to Japan uh, uh, in terms of the returners and the coaches, and uh, and we talk about the synergy between Japan and Hawaii. All the, a lot of great stuff. And the last thing I'll probably say is just like in Australia when we went, and I think even more so now, it, it becomes like one big family road trip with our fans and boosters that join us and are invited to basically everything we're doing. So just really exciting and looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I think is really cool, and I see this when teams come here for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. They're here for about a week, and the bonding, everything that goes on is part of the appeal of coming for a tournament like this. You guys will be gone about 11 or 12 days, so I imagine the same thing that you just talked about is pretty cool. Was there a reason that it was Japan, maybe over anywhere else? Is there anything else that could be involved as far as the relationship with the University of Hawaii and the Japanese market? Yeah, no, that's a big positive. I mean, we Australia, New Zealand, Japan make a lot of sense. We went to Australia. Um, Japan, obviously, we hadn't done that. Um, and so this is, like I said, one I just mentioned, none of us have been there. Uh, the, the synergy, the connection, the relationship between uh, Japan and Hawaii is strong, and so we want to continue to build that. Uh, we'll get to meet, uh, obviously, great coaches and great people that have connections here as well. Uh, and the basketball is growing there. You know, there's two guys, as we know, in the NBA right now. And so we want to kind of get ahead when the next crop of prospects. And that's what happens when you got some guys in the NBA. It inspires the next generation. And, and so we want to get ahead of that and, you know, keep building that in, in a lot of ways, not just, you know, in terms of the relationship, natural relationship between Japan and Hawaii, but also the growing uh, basketball community. Ron Gannat joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline talking about the tour to Japan. And one of the things you just mentioned, I remember when it uh, took place for Australia several years ago, that fans can join this group on this great adventure in Japan coming up in August. How do they go about that if some of the fans or listeners want to uh, sign up for this trip? Well, you know what's great about our, our group here, our, our fans and supporters and boosters. You know, typically when a team goes on a tour, you might have five to ten people join them. And I know in 2011 when the program went to to Asia, I think they had 
you know, 11 or 12. And, and we went to Australia. We had 30. And I think we'll have more than that come for this trip. I, I'm not – and those guys who will tell you, we're, one, we're going to Tokyo, Kyoto, Hiroshima, obviously the games, the practices. We're breaking bread together. We're doing the sightseeing, the cultural education. Um, but it, like I said earlier, it's, it is like one big family road trip. Um, you, you get like we're all basically we're we're doing everything together. And so I think a lot of people went in Australia. will come on this one as well, and we're already getting feedback from more people. But like I said, like we said in the release, to get more information right now, contact Alex Yano on our staff at the basketball office at eight zero eight. Nine five six six five zero one, and um, and his email is on the website as well. Okay, and, so uh, we have yeah, so we have you know Hawaiian Airlines, JTB, Air Administration, and uh, Global Sports, uh, the, who's organizing a lot of the basketball and cultural pieces there as well. Uh, they've worked together to make this really special. So for now, that's the direction. As the some specifics come out even more in the next couple of weeks, we'll uh, share that with the group as well. And I saw on Twitter yesterday, yes, Matthew Cotton, one of your new players that transferred from Yale, he arrived in Hawaii yesterday. So you'll have maybe not all, but some of the new players on this trip, which can only help for this upcoming season and have those early practices and games. Yeah, usually teams will have most or all of those guys, um, and so will we. We'll have most or all. And um, But as you can tell, it's, we're here we are in mid-June. Um, we're, we're getting close to that summer session. So guys are starting to trickle in over the next couple of days, couple of weeks, and we'll have our formal normal summer access session. And then we're just adding the tour piece as well. So still got two camps left. We'll be bouncing around recruiting, uh, but we're excited about, um, this summer and, and having a good one. Yeah, so you mentioned the camps. I want to get a little bit more on that because you have two more sessions, as you said, June 25th through the 29th, and then August 1st through the 4th, and that obviously is right before you go on the trip. I saw some of the video highlights of the first session. It looked like the kids not only were having a great time, great turnout, and it looked like, again, another great event with this camp. Tell us a little bit more if people want to sign up their kids for the upcoming ones. Yeah, it, and the information is on the camp tab on our basketball website. And, again, you can contact Alexiano with the information I provided earlier. But, like, everything we're trying to keep building, and you say, you know, great turnout. No, it's the best turnout. So each of our three sessions have broke a record for each in terms of the amount of numbers where we now have to raise a cap for the last one, which we're working on. So I love that. You, the feedback from the kids, seeing kids over the years, and we've had some guys over the last eight years been at every camp and the parents, um, you know, it's, a, it's about growing the game. It's about, you know, teaching the game and, and then taking them home with them. It's about those kids building relationships with other campers and our staff and all our guys, as I just mentioned, they're starting to roll in. So they'll be able to integrate with the, the guys on the team, be in the stand, be in gym two. Um, it's been a lot of fun and it's fun to watch this thing grow. I think next year we'll break that record. We'll probably, and it's a good problem, but, Sure. We'll probably have to add another camp. <laughs> Good problem to have, as you said. Hey, I know uh, we're almost up against the clock. I know you've got some workouts coming up. But before we let you go, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but when you were at Growlers last month, and we thank you for joining us after the show, we were talking, and you told me the most incredible story about your uh, conversation with Bill Murray, the legendary actor and comedian. Can you maybe share that story with our listeners? Well, that's, I could give a brief one. Obviously, okay. I, was, I was on the road recruiting. And St. Mary's happened to be in Albany, New York, and I was in the East Coast. So I went to their game, just just like a one-day trip because I was so close. And 
you know, the day in the morning, you know, they were playing UConn. And so I, I go to their little, uh, pregame function and, you know, uh, Bill Murray's brother, Brian, uh, is a St. Mary's guy and a St. Mary's fan, but I didn't know that. But for anyone who's watched his movies over the years, Caddyshack and, uh, uh, ground, uh, Groundhog Day and Christmas Vacation. He has one of the more distinct voices in the world. So right when he introduced himself, I said, I know you. And as he kept talking, I said, did you say pick up that blood, you know, from the movie Caddyshack? And he said, no, this is how I said it. And and then, you know, UConn, Bill Murray's son is one of the top assistants at UConn. So when I was at the St. Mary's function, Bill Murray's at the UConn function at the hotel across the street. So Somehow Brian puts me on the phone with him, and I'm like, hey, "Am I really talking to Bill Murray?" And he, he's a big Hawaii fan. He's a big Hawaii sports fan, so he was very knowledgeable. But he said at the end of the call, he said, "Can you do me a favor?" I said, "Sure." And he knew where I was at. He said, "I want you to stand on the top of this of the table you're at now." Because he said, "Are you at the same areas?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Stand at the top of the table, and at the top of your lungs, yell out, go Huskies.'" <laughs> And I just said, and this is how the call ended. I said, uh, I love you, but I won't do that. And then they gave the phone back to Brian. So, I mean, I, I, that was a bucket list. I keep telling people, did I really just talk to Bill Murray? So, obviously, I'm a, a big fan. And now he is a huge fan of Scott Simpson on our staff here at UH with the golf team. And they would, apparently, they were partners with the programs for over a decade. So, small world, he, he was singing his praises and, I never knew I would go to a random function at a random game and be on the phone with Bill Murray, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> I wish I could say, I'm sure a lot of people would love that kind of a situation, but that was pretty funny what he asked you to do, and I don't blame you for declining that yeah, offer. And, but based on the 10-minute or 5-minute call, he's now one of my best friends, and that's what I'm going to do. We're very close. We're very close. I, I don't blame you for that. That is really cool. I love that story. Can't get tired of hearing that. Well, again, congratulations on the news going to the Japan coming up in August, and we'll remind people about the camps coming up in later in June, and of course in August, August first through the fourth, but the first one June twenty fifth through the 29th. All of the information at HawaiiAthletics.com. Hit the camps button. Iran, thanks again for joining us. Good to talk to you again. Hopefully, we'll see you before you guys go to Japan. Thank you, as always, for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Aran Ganat joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. Go to alohakia.com. You know a guy. And, yeah, that story he had told me off the air when the show had ended, and I think I might have even told part of it, if not all of it, but it's great. It's better hearing it from Aran, his version. But uh, Bill Murray, one of my favorites, and I have seen Caddyshack over 30 times at least. Hannah, have you ever seen Caddyshack? Uh, No. Okay, and I'm not not that I'm not surprised. I mean, partly probably because you're too young, and I know you're not that young, but you are Generation Z X whatever. But it, it came out in the '80s. It's a great golf movie with a lot of stars from back then. But it has some of the more classic lines of all time. At time, and one of them is where the caddies get into a fight, and the guy's telling him, "Look at that sign. It says no no fighting." And then he says, "Pick up that blood." 
<laughs> after the guy got a bloody nose, but you kind of have to see it, and most people, hopefully listening, have. But if you haven't, check it out. It never gets old. Hey, I want to let you know about Super Saturday Hawaii presenting Endless Summer, June 17th and 18th. That is coming up this weekend, of course, Saturday and Sunday at the Convention Center. Two days of anime, cards, games, arts, and crafts, esports competition, snacks, and more. And if you've ever wondered how much your card, your sports cards are worth, Trading Card Resources Hawaii, an authorized PSA dealer, are accepting card grading submissions. I think that's really cool. I know a lot of people collect cards and you want to know how much they're worth. This is the place to go. Check out SuperSaturdayHawaii.com for more details. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth on Sports Animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. If you have a comment or a question, 808-296-1420 is our phone number. Or if you want to reach us via the Zephyr Insurance text line, you can do it that way as well. And we'd love to hear from you. So I want to give an update. We do this usually every day about Hawaii's major leaguers, uh, how they did yesterday. Colton Wong did not play again. It's been a while since he has started for Seattle. Josh Rojas, who got an inning of relief work the night before, let up five runs and a blowout loss to Philly. He came into the game yesterday as a pinch runner, did not get an official at bat. Kirby Yates pitched uh, one inning for Atlanta, two strikeouts, no hits, no uh, runs, of course, and his ERA goes to 3-3-8. But yesterday also, Isaiah kind of falafa. And I know it's pronouncing it Falefa, but we'll go with Falafa for now. Or IKF, as the New York media and other national publications list him. He had an interesting game for the Yankees. Now, he was 0 for 3, but he did score a run via a stolen base. And the look from that video, if you saw this replay, the third baseman, Escobar, for the Yank, uh, for the Mets was not holding him on. So he started you know, getting a bigger lead. And then the pitcher wasn't even looking at him. And he had an easy path. And it was just his instinct taking over the whole article about him in the New York papers today. Tanner, did you see that steal of home for IKF? Yeah, Isaiah definitely had a he had a great jump, first of all, yes. on, from third, and including a pretty rough pitch from the New York Mets pitcher at the time, who threw it all the way high inside. I, there was no way for that catcher to find a way to even get the ball close to home plate at that point. So great instincts by uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And, you know, hopefully that kind of, you know, builds some great momentum that he's been on. I think I heard via Rob DeMello this morning that since, like, uh, in the last month, he's, like, hitting, like, 271 with 14 RBI, something crazy like that. So he's definitely been on the up since starting a little bit slow uh, at the beginning of the year this year. I think since, like, May 1st or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right because his batting average did drop to 238. It was up at 243, but it was down to like 198 right around there, the beginning of May. So it has gone up, and I believe he has most of those RBIs. I think he might have 15 for the season, but most of them have been in the last, you know, couple, you know, month, month and a half or so. And he's also playing all over the place. He actually got the start in center field yesterday. Aaron Judge is still out. Uh, but he has played third base, he's played shortstop, he's played left field, and he's probably played somewhere else that I can't remember. might have been second or something. But he is uh, very versatile, has all those, again, those defensive capabilities. And uh, the steal of home was great. I mean, they haven't stolen a base, they said, since 2016. Uh, 
Didi did it for the Yankees back then, but it's just a smart play. And uh, the headline says, IKF sneaks home for a, quote, unbelievable steal. And it gave the Yankees the lead. Now, they didn't hold the lead, but it was in the seventh inning of that game. That it was, was still the last play. run for the Yankees, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was the last one. In fact, even before that, I think he got walked, and then he steals second in the same inning, and the throw to second is goes to center field, so he takes third. And then he comes home on a steal of, of home. So he actually went around the bases without getting a hit. He went around the bases without anybody knocking him in. How, how rare is that? Again, he steals second, gets the third on the error, steals home. No hits, no sacrifice fly. It was all on Isaiah. That is really something. Yeah, great one for the uh, mid-pack graduate for sure. And hopefully, like we said, you know, right now the Yankees are kind of on the you know, bottom end of the AL East. Them and the Red Sox are keeping those uh, last two places very warm. Uh, certainly a statement if you said that to someone like five years ago. We're like, yeah, the really? Yankees and the Red Sox are going to be comfortably in the fourth and fifth position in the AL East. They'd probably, like murder you yeah I, I, the things have changed i mean they're, they're close together like usual and I, I still think i mean i'm not a yankee fan everybody knows but i respect them how good they can be and usually are and i think they're, they're going to be fine i think they'll be a playoff team i don't know if they'll win that division because tampa is that good i don't think well. they're making the playoffs <clears throat> yeah really no. remember there's three wild cards now yeah <laughs> uh, well, i guess the issue is mostly dealing with how the al central right now is pretty bad I think we had mentioned this yesterday that, like, the Red Sox right now, who's at the bottom of the AL East, would be comfortably in that second-place position. But as we all know, there's still, like, what, 100 more games left in this season. So we don't know really how it's going to go, especially after we get to the All-Star break. So we can't really tell, you know, what's going to be going on here. There's a lot of baseball, but if the season ended today, I know Chris hates that, but if it did, the wild-card teams would be Baltimore – the Yankees, and the Houston Astros. So, I mean, I, and I think Toronto is really good. I think they kind of scare me. As, I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, Toronto has got so much talent, especially at the plate. The pitching has been a little bit suspect this year, but the hitting has been great. So they're only a game in back of the Yankees. Uh, but I, I think the Yankees should make it. But, again, there's no guarantee. But I don't think I don't think as of now the AL Central is getting a second team. But, like you said, there's like 90-something games left, close to 100 for some teams. So uh, it's still a lot of baseball left to be played. But I think, again, for Isaiah, a great game, and now we just, like to see guys like Colton Wong uh, kind of straighten his season out because it has been rough. And he, I would think maybe he'll come in as a defensive replacement here and there, but that hasn't really happened either. And one of our guests, I think it might have been Eno Saris, a few weeks ago, saying his defense isn't as outstanding as it usually is. So that's one of the reasons he might have played more. But with his batting average down to, I believe, 157, uh, not getting in the lineup. Again, he hasn't started the game in, I think, over a week. Yeah, definitely a rough year so far for Colton. He's definitely showing off a lot of the uh, rust I think you'd expect to start seeing for a guy, especially at how many years that he's been in the league now. I mean, so far when you look at that – oh, whoops, I'm in the wrong division. When you look at that AL West – sorry, I was in the NL West for a second there. I'm like, we're the Mariners here. But if it weren't for the, you know, Oakland Athletics, the Mariners have been, I would say, kind of very Mariner-like – they're hovering around 500, especially this is a season, I think, where you wanted to see kind of a step up right. after that really amazing series against the Houston Astros last year in the playoffs. Right, right. You have such such great hitters, you know, especially like Julio Rodriguez, who is 
right now. I can't remember where he is right now in the all-star game voting in the outfield. I think he's probably around fifth or seventh, somewhere in that range. But right now the Mariners have been kind of disappointing, especially when you've got the Rangers and the Angels both kind of up there in the one and three spots as the Houston Astros are slowly trying to find their way through uh, their season as well. Yeah, you're right. Texas and Texas and the Angels are much better than they've been in recent years. And that says a lot for the Angels because hey, they have the two best players and you would probably in the MLB, two of the three best players in the MLB. And it's like finally, they're kind of over 500. Yeah, I mean, for them, and that's that is a big accomplishment. I was looking, excuse me, about Shohei Otani hit another home run yesterday. He has 21 homers. I knew he had 19 the other day. I didn't really, I didn't realize when he got his 20th. And he's going to be on the All Star team. We know that. But I look at him: 21 home runs. He's ahead of Aaron Judge, who's been injured. Uh, RBI wise, he's got 52. He's four behind the leader, Devers of Boston. So I mean, he would be an All Star player based on his bat alone. Uh, he definitely would. His pitching, though, I don't know if his pitching alone would get him on the all-star team. And he's still a good pitcher, but at the plate, he's just been unbelievable. His batting average, 299. I mean, he's up there. I mean, he's up there in the, the triple crown race. Not that he's close enough to say he's going to get it right now, but home runs he leads. The judge will be better when he gets back, or not be better. He'll just be judge, and that's good enough. But this guy, and I mean, everybody knows how phenomenal he is. But now, I don't think anybody really thought that he could maybe lead the league in home runs. Though I know he was close two years ago, I think in the high 40s. But I love just watching everything about him. And, uh, again, the pitching is good, but the, the, uh, the batting average numbers are just fantastic. Again, 21 and 52, 299 average. Uh, I think it's a foregone conclusion he will be starting in the All-Star game. We'll hear more about the ballots. Cause the ballots are out, as you said. I think we'll get the final tally in about two, three weeks. I think it's the beginning of July we'll probably get the starters announced. Hey, I want to talk a little college football with you when we come back. I know we've talked about it, I think, the other day, you and I, with the SEC nine games versus eight games. Well, they have come out with their schedule how early for 2024 as far as the opponents. And there's a ranking on who has the toughest schedule. And I'll let you know about that. I want to get your, obviously, feedback on that, Tanner, as well. But I think that's an interesting thing. So we'll talk about that in just a minute or two. A reminder, we hope you can join us along with Hawaii Athletic Director Craig Angeles, Coach Michelle Bud Nagamine, and more at Growler Hawaii for another really big road show. It's coming up in less than a week. It's next Wednesday at 5 p.m. There will be happy hour specials, great menu for food. The food is fantastic. Again, it's next Wednesday at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, back with the Sports Animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Before I get to the football topic, I just want to give a couple of things. I just saw notifications on my phone. One is an update on round one of the U.S. Open at the LACC. Ricky Fowler still in the lead there, as we mentioned earlier, uh, followed closely by uh, Xander Shoffley and Brooks Kepka. Uh, he and Rory are going to be golf, uh, teeing off a little bit later. Uh, let's see, 5 p.m. So that's like about, oh, right before 11 a.m., 10.54 a.m. Hawaii time. The other thing I saw, and I think we kind of touched upon it yesterday, I believe, but the U.S. Department of Justice reportedly uh, about to investigate PGA Tour and the Saudi Arabia PIF deal over antitrust concerns. So we'll keep our eyes on that. I know, obviously, Tanner and I and many of us love 
football, college football. So the SEC came out with their schedule as far as opponents, not the dates yet, for 2024 when Texas and Oklahoma join. And it came out with everybody's opponents, and CBS Sports ranked them best or easiest to hardest. The hardest one, they say, is Oklahoma at number one. And I'm going to get, obviously, Tanner in on this. Their opponents are Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and that'll be on a neutral site game again in, in Dallas, Auburn, at LSU, at Missouri, at Ole Miss. Now, they're not playing Florida. They're not playing Kentucky. They're not playing Mississippi State. I, that, does that sound like the toughest one that you can see there, Tanner, just off the surface? And I'll give Auburn as number two, by the way. Right. I, I Yeah, Oklahoma definitely has the hardest schedule out of the 2024 uh, slate for SEC football. When you look at it, like you mentioned, not only – you know, you talk about who they're playing. Look at their home schedule. When you should probably be playing your best, you got Alabama, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Alabama and Tennessee are two of the best teams in the SEC, and South Carolina is one of those sleeper teams that you can never count mm, out, sure. especially with how Shane Beamer has been running that uh, school for the last couple of years. But those are their only three, like, true home games in the SEC, because you have to include that Texas game in that Red River Showdown that's being played in Dallas, Texas, in the neutral site. Right, right. So in reality, you're playing like five away games and three home games in your SEC slate. And look, you, I, when you're playing against the Crimson Side and the Volunteers in the same season, you're playing against LSU as well. I'm trying to get the rest of their. Um, I, I've already forgotten. Well, the they also have uh, uh, well, Auburn, Missouri, and Ole Miss as yeah. your other away Missouri games. was better last year, actually. Missouri was better, better, but that's probably going to be their easiest game out of that yeah. entire slate. It, I would not be surprised if Oklahoma fans are a little salty about leaving the Big 12 now. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, and obviously they're ranked that high. Now, the other new team coming in is Texas. They're ranked 15th out of 16. Their opponents at home, Florida – Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's on the uh, neutral court, neutral field as well, as we said. Also at Texas A&M, at Arkansas, at Vanderbilt. Yeah, that schedule sounds a lot, a lot easier. Arkansas and Vanderbilt are maybe okay, maybe going to be better, but they're still kind of bottom feeders right now in the SEC. Well, Arkansas is kind of like in that mid-mode right now. We don't know where they're going to be, but of course this is the last year of KJ Jefferson for the Arkansas Razorbacks, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do, what they're going to look like in two years. And Vanderbilt, you also don't know what they're going to look like in two years because so far in one year of um, Clark Lee, you know, head, being the head coach of Vanderbilt, he's already almost made a bowl game in one year, so they're mm. already on the up. Texas A&M, as much as they had a terrible year last year, they're still a really good team with a lot of really great talent. And you look at their home games, Florida, another team you don't know what they're going to be in two years. They're definitely not going to be that good this year. You have Georgia, who's probably going to kill you there when <laughs> yes. they get over to Texas. They'll kill everybody. Kentucky is kind of also middling, and Mississippi State is also in that middling mode. So, yeah, that definitely an easier schedule for sure. But based on how Texas does against a lot of these other schools, especially with their history against, you know, Kansas the last couple of years in football, how they haven't beaten Kansas in the last three years, it feels like. If they can't do that in the Big 12, I'm not sure what they're going to be looking like in the SEC. 
Well, Arch Manning could be their quarterback by then. And we loved Tanner's football talk, of course. And I just want to let everybody know that Tanner will be hosting today Let's Talk Sports at 12 noon. He will be the main host, the co-host, maybe even the board operator, but he's doing it all. So if you want to hear more great talk, Tanner Hayworth, today at 12 noon with Let's Talk Sports. So that should be a lot of fun as well. Of course, uh, Josh and uh, Hunter Hughes would off the bench at 3 p.m. today. Chris will be back with us tomorrow morning at 6, and we'll have a lot more in the U.S. Open as well. and See if there's any developing news with Antonio Brown or NBA rumored trades as well. So we thank everybody for joining us. We'll look forward to doing it again tomorrow at 6 o'clock in the morning, bright and early. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Aloha.